<laughs> I totally, <laughs> I totally jumped you last week. You weren't even ready for it. Fine. All right, everybody, and welcome to Bearded Drums Live. It is your Thursday hangout with myself and Mr. Jared Taylor. 6 p.m. Central Standard Time every freaking Thursday. Good to have you with me, Jared, as usual. Pleasure as always, Stephen. And I hope your week is getting better. And if it's not, hopefully it will get better as we approach the big Memorial Day weekend. Well, you probably got a um, busy weekend of work. I signed up for the overtime they offered, so working six days this week. It'll be eight to four, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Be a nice paycheck. I wonder what our... Because... I'm I'm noticing as we get into the summer, it really feels like people just want to be out. And I I mean, I know we get busy here on Memorial Day, but I don't know if it's like a tourist destination. So I'm wondering if this year might even be even heavier because it really seems like everywhere I go lately, it's like it's summertime. Things are getting better and people want to be somewhere. I think so, because like the normally during the middle of the week on like swing shift, it's not as busy but the past like few weeks it's been picking up yeah and tips have definitely reflect that um our took rate has gone up quite a bit our last one was nineteen thousand, which is really good and that's before they counted all the change yeah, so yeah. well like i said it we've had a lot of outer towners too my mom was actually asking me about it today and i really think that this summer's gonna be super busy and even if it's not super busy by the end of what I would consider the summer, which is like, you know, the end of July when we get ready back for school. Um, I think it'll still continue to be busy because anything that hasn't opened up now, I think will have opened up kind of by then. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, everything's staying nice and steady. Had good gigs this week. Um, early gigs. And got one gig this weekend. Well, two. The juke, obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm expecting it to be hot and busy. Um, like I said, hope your week, I know your, your week's going rough, but hopefully it will get better. Um, you're basically, I'm coming out into a better mood and you're kind of go, going back to where I was. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's like it's, a WWE match. We're just tagging out. <laughs> well, it gets better. It never stays like that. So, uh, I always have to remind myself that continuously. It's like, you know not always going to be bad it's going to get better or if you get stagnant or if you get whatever um you know that kind of stuff goes away so anyway like i said everybody here thank you for joining us as usual um we are well i did i text phil before we started so maybe we'll get lucky and phil will stop by and see us today uh when he gets done i haven't heard my phone ding so i don't know if he's in the lesson right now probably um but whatever we end up discussing Always opens the conversation up more with uh, that third seat filled. Oh, yeah. I need to get with, we need to get with Hugh and prep him for the big arrival. Yeah, which, which chapter in his, <laughs> in his Cimmerillion we're going we're gonna to dissect. Because really, I think if we're on schedule, next week should be a guest. Yeah. I think. Um, so, anyway. Um, as usual, remember every week, if you want to see the audio only version of this podcast, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just simply search Bearded Bearded Drums. Drums. Obviously, you can also catch us here every 
Thursday. I'll about to say Friday. Every Thursday <laughs> at six PM Central Standard Time here on YouTube Live. So getting into this week, like I said, I had some really good gigs uh early in the week. Uh went to the hangout. Uh I guess it's just called the hangout. Yeah. Right? I've I've only been there twice. It was cool, man. I mean, obviously most people um, and I'll, probably a lot of you have heard of the Hangout Festival, um, which is a big music festival there in Gulf Shores um, every year. Obviously not last year, but I didn't know that that had spawned that that bar. And I, I say a bar. That's not even a bar. That is a compound. It's huge. Um, and Dakota actually asked me while we were there. He was like, does this have anything to do with that concert? And I was like, yeah, this is like, I guess what has become the home base for that concert. Like when you go inside, they've got all the, the posters up from every year. Yeah. Um, showing all the Florence and the machine, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but got there. And like I said, this one was Tuesday and I was telling you when they booked that or that run of gigs, I saw like Thursday and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And then Matt reminded me it was on Tuesday this week. And I was like, surely, this is going to be dead. Like, why would they have, even if it was summertime, Yeah. why would they have a band on a Tuesday at 6 o'clock? It just doesn't seem like it's going to be anything. So we go, and besides the fact that it was like nothing but teenagers, and I mean like 16-year-old teenagers everywhere. Parents and they're, a condo having fun. Yeah, exactly. And they were they all kept asking for... What's the country guy that got in trouble for saying the racist stuff? Uh, Morgan Wallen. <laughs> they kept asking for it. whatever song of his is popular. And Amber was trying to be cool about it. She's like, you know, I'm sorry. We don't know. We don't know that. And some of the other stuff they were they were asking for. But it was, it's and I find it weird, like, at Glory Bound and places where you have a lot of 20-year-olds. And it was even more apparent at this gig with a bunch of, like, 16, 17-year-olds. We were doing songs that you and I are used to, which is really older than us by a generation. Oh yeah. And they were singing along and I'm like, how do y'all know friends in low places or, you know, insert typical pop song here. So it was funny as usual, but I'm just not used to high school kids doing the exact same thing. Um, but it was funny that, yeah, they did keep asking for the Morgan Wallace or whatever his name is. And I was like, isn't that the guy that got, in, that's all I know. I don't know any of the music. I just knew it was the guy that got in trouble. Yeah, I know none of his songs at all, except, like, White Girls Love Him, and then I saw the whole fiasco. Yeah, yeah, everybody saw the fiasco. Um, but like I said, it was it was a good gig. I really, I wish I'd have taken some pictures. I will end up definitely, number one, taking pictures next time, because we're back there in a couple weeks, I think. Yeah. Definitely take some pictures. I'm going to throw the GoPro up, because it was a huge, like, full-size stage covered you know with the flying trusses and everything nice big pa with a proper drum riser you know the, whatever that is three feet yeah um rollable oh sweet yeah like the whole nine yards and i asked the guy when i got there i was like you know tuesday this is gonna be busy he's like oh yeah i'm like really he's like we do bands seven days a week and i was like wow a monday he's like yes so you know we get there we get everything set up and i was actually you might feel the same way y'all might feel the same way you get your drums tuned in your room right and you're like man these things are killer and then you get them out to the juke joint or like a small club and you're like ah didn't sound as good as it did in the room but yeah. it still sounds okay 
and then usually you get them outside and you're like, ow. It sounds awful. This it gets it gets it's like the your room, perfect. Small club, eh, it's all right. Outside, no. No. This is one of the first times I, I got everything set up and I, you know, kick tum 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 snare. I was like, Wow, it actually sounds okay. You know, it sounds like a what I would expect an outside kit mic'd up to sound like. And so uh you know, we played the gig, lots of fun, uh, sweat my butt off. Sounded great because you've got this big PA pushing you. Uh, the guy, I have, I can't remember his name. I'm going to have to get his name next time and tell him to watch the uh, the podcast to see if he can kind of weigh in as from a sound man's perspective. Yeah. Perfect in-ear mix. And from what I could tell, it's really more of a, fe- a front-throwing PA. Like, it, uh, I think he was telling me that the speakers they have actually have, like, it's an array, like you'd see at a big concert. Oh, the weird, like... Yeah, where they curve. Yeah. And he said that their big PA speakers actually have noise cancellation like the headphones. So they literally reject to the side of the speaker and throw straight forward. So, like, I would do, like, most places with big PAs, you know, you get playing and you get, and you get comfortable, and I pulled one ear out. All I could hear was my drums. No no subs, no, no, no residual. I could kind of hear the slapback off the building. Yeah. But I was like, wow, it really is like a straight up front throwing huge PA. Cause every time I pulled my ear, I was like, I couldn't even hear their monitors. I could <laughs> only hear the drums. That's wild. Put my ears back in. Like I said, he ran a perfect in-ear mix and I can only imagine if the, the front mix sounded half as good as my in-ear mix. It probably sounded killer. Oh yeah. You know, played the show, went fine. We got done and we were actually hanging out, cutting up with the sound man. He was about my age. I think he was maybe two years older than me. And uh, I thought of you when he did it, because I have been jealous ever since it happened to you, my friend. Where were you that the guy was, like, so complimentary of your snare drum? You told me the story. Y'all yeah, playing. we played at that, that Cadillac Jack or whatever it was called. Yeah, the, yeah. What you filled in for me when yeah. I was at Disney and Cadillac whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, y'all played, and you said the guy was just like, like loved everything uh, yeah. about it. Like he's like, you took care of your stuff. Someone double mic your snare drum for you. Never really do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he went through and added an extra overhead and everything. He's like, I just can't get over it. Mike, it's just a cheap <laughs> Premiere kit with EC twos. It's nothing. It's nothing fancy. This is the snare drum destroys my sticks. It's what? Like, what? It was the the brass. Yeah, it was the brass Gretsch, <laughs> and I haven't changed the heads on it since I got it from you. So it was just that super worn down. Uh, yeah, that almost perfect Remo pinstripe, whatever. It's got the center dot in it, but it's a yeah. pinstripe. I don't know what it's called. I can't yeah. remember. One of them probably knows. I'm blanking right now. But I, that's what I had on, and I just like, I haven't tuned it or whatever. I just yeah. threw it in the bag, and, and just like you know, sometimes it just falls perfectly. Well, I took the signature, my signature snare, with me, and uh, a big venue outside. I would probably normally grab the six and a half. Yeah, but I was like, "Well, I like I love this little maple snare, and I love it even more now that I've taken those die cast off and put the pearl super hoops on it. Yeah. It just sounds nice and open, like I'd like it. It's not where I want my maple snare sound. I'm still hunting down the snare, but it's close. It's got a good crack to it, a little bit of body, but it's a four point seven five. So I was kind of a little reserved about taking it with me, but I knew we were going to be fully mic'd, so it's not a big deal." Well, we played the show, and that was the first thing he came up. He's like, he's like, first of all, <laughs> it's not a competition. And I was like, oh, God. 
what is he about to say? <laughs> Something about my playing or whatever. He's like, it's not a competition, but that is the second best snare drum I've heard come through this venue. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, it sounded really good. I was like, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, Tom sounded great. Kick sounded really good, but that snare. And I thought of you telling me that story because ever since you've told me that story, I've been, I guess you'll call it jealousy, not in a negative way. But yeah. I was like, I want somebody to come tell me my snare drum sounds <laughs> dope. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. Um, so it was nice to get that, you know, he, like he kept reinforcing, like it's not a competition, but that's the second best snare drum that's come through the, the venue. I was like, thank you, man. That really makes that's me awesome. feel good. He's like, no, the toms are okay. Kick sounded great, but snare. I was like, all right, well, I'll play a little game with you. And next time I come back, I'll bring that snare and keep it in the bag, but I'll bring another snare, obviously a pearl and we'll see. If you like that. So I think I'll take the six and a half brass with me next time and have the maple in the back, you know, wait. So if he doesn't like it. Yeah. Be like, like, I can after the first set, be like, yay, nay. Okay. Yay. Leave it. Nay. I'll switch it back out. But I want to know, I want to know how it sounds. Cause like I said, the snare hunt does continue. They're out there. They're just not in the finish that I want. And it seems like stuff's starting to roll in at Sweetwater. I check it almost every day. Uh, eBay is pretty stagnant. It's the same drums that have been on there for a while, but um, I, I, I'm I'm still trying to find that perfect all around. So we'll get there at some point, I'm sure. I did see. Uh, I think it was Forks or Memphis. I can't remember. Um, I might have been Portsmouth. One of those three. They were showing off the New Music City Walnut with the whatever inlay in it. Uh, that series. oh, one of the solids. Yeah, that sounded really good. They sound killer. Louis Palmer plays that one that he's always got. He's pretty much playing that thing constantly now. No, he got the Stavecraft. Um, somebody else got another one of those. They sound really good. I'm just dead set on, I have a 5, I have a 4.75. There's no point in buying a hyper expensive 5. I have those sizes. I want a 5.5. And, a half. and I, I deeply wish that they made one of those solid plies in... A five and a half. I would grab one right now because they've gone back up to 36 months on Pearl at Sweetwater. So I could handle that. But uh, I'm not going to compromise on the size. They do sound killer, though. And they're really nice to get. I think the standard one is like eight ninety seven, which yeah. is not bad for, mm-hmm. a, you know, for a solid ply drum. But yeah. yeah, they do sound killer. And, and a bunch of guys are catching on to those. Um, but Pearl's putting out a bunch of stuff right now that I've noticed has got some guys excited. Those Stavecrafts. If I was into stave drums, I would I would look at one of those. Um, but I know Rex Hardy's real into that stavecraft right now, and I'm seeing like videos are starting to trickle in of guys that have gotten all of that new pearl, the Matt Halpern, the stavecraft stuff. Uh, we saw him the other day playing the kit, um, the swing kid. Oh, uh, Grayson. Yeah, Grayson Nacrutman or Nacrutman. Yeah, uh, playing the deluxe kit, and I think that it looks like every video I've seen of his since then. I guess he's just playing that now. Yeah, I think he either bought one or he's got one on loan or something. Yeah, um, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, they're nice. It's it, yeah, I think they did a good job. Um, so I'm just going to keep my eyes out for that. But as I did mention to you, the symbols arrive tomorrow. We got more Istanbul hitting. The drum room tomorrow about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I would imagine. 
Brand new set of hi-hats, the Exist 13s, the regular ones, not the uh, dark and dry. And then I ordered the 13-inch dark and dry to put that. And I can't believe I'm going to do this. You know how OCD I am about mixing brands. Yeah. But I don't care because y'all said it sounded, both you and Phil were like, that whatever it is, 20, 20 inch exist dark and drive with that spiral stacker on yeah. top. You're like, it sounds so good, bro. And then ever since y'all have left last week and I practice every time, I'm like, it really does sound good. So I ordered specifically that 13 inch crash to make me a little stack up front. But then I also thought about which will probably just be fun. Um, the, the little trick you mentioned that you're supposed to do with the 13. Now you put the, um Put the 13 crash inside the 13 inch hi hats and it like, drives so, it up. And that's what I was going to ask you. So, do you take the 13 inch crash and put it on top of the bottom hi hat or on the bottom of the bottom hi hat? Uh, so. Or is it the bottom hi hat? So, I remember the video correctly. Um, the guy that's from Istanbul, when he does it, he has the bottom hi hat, he throws the crash right inside on top of it. And then puts the top one on. Okay, so on top of the thicker bottom hi hat. Yeah. So I'm interested to try that as well. Not that I think those hats need anything. Those hats, for what they do, I think are perfect. But it will be interesting to be like, hey, well, I can take my stack off and throw the 13-inch crash on the hats and see if that, you know, see if it changes anything. But, yeah, I'll be, I'll be excited to have that in because I do admit since I got rid of all the Sabian, I miss my stack. Yeah. And those work so well as that and that one sounds really good as a 20 and i just imagine you know obviously with the 13 it's just going to be higher pitched yeah um so i think it'll work out well it'll all get in here just in time during the afternoon before i leave about six to go to glory bound so i get to use it um i get to use it on uh, friday night and then obviously you'll see you'll see it on sunday i'm remember i work eight oh to four. That's you're working now. eight to four yep. good lord yep. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I work six to two on Monday. Like I said, that's gonna be a nice paycheck. Yeah, it's just exhausting. <laughs> you look exhausted. <laughs> I was exhausted after you left Sunday night. I, you know, finished the night out and stayed out as usual, way too late, and then got here and stayed up way too late, screwing around with stuff and. Monday and Tuesday, I was severely exhausted. I didn't catch my energy second wind until we got to the gig, and I drank a Coca-Cola. So I had a little sugar rush, and I, I, it hasn't happened to me yet. It's happened for the first time. I got a tiny little blister from being out of drumming shape because everything's just been regular little club gigs. Yeah. Then you get outside, and you start having to hit a little harder, and you start pushing with that thumb a little harder. And toward the end of the gig, I was like, oh, I hope we finish correctly. Because this is in any had I played a couple of songs more, it would have really blistered out and then caused a problem. Now it's just dead skin. But, yeah, I need to get I know I did notice that I told you I did notice a little bit of the stuff that I have been working on over the past two months, starting to peak in my playing, um, which was cool. But I noticed by the end of that gig, I was like, your endurance is crap. You need to build up some serious endurance to get basically back in drumming shape for the summer. Um, Because toward the end there, I was just like, (laughs) pushing, pushing. (laughs) All wrist, couldn't really do anything with, you know, rebound or my thumbs. Like, it was all, I was just muscling through it to get done. And then when we got done, 
just saying starving. I had to burn through everything that was in my stomach. And I, I know that to make it through this summer, I'm going to have to do some serious endurance work here at the house or like nights that I have no gig on a weekend or, you know, early in the week coming, coming here and then doing it. I thought about, tell me what you think of this. If this makes any sense, like as a practicing routine where you're trying to mimic a gig, like do whatever you're going to do. Say you're going to burn out paradiddles or whatever. Do it for, I would say on average, the songs we all do four minutes on average. Yeah. So like burn it for four minutes and then take like a 30 second break, which would be about, you know, like it's probably not that long, but just take a couple of second break and then do it again for four minutes. So basically mimicking what would happen during a show. Yeah. Play the song, tiny break, play the song, tiny break. And I think I'm going to start doing that. It's just like doing whatever in four minute or five minute intervals, take a, just a, like a, just a long enough to grab my, electronic cigarette hit it one time set it back down and go back at it and then try to do that for three hours yeah and then i think that would help because even though i've been doing a f ton of work here practicing during the day just because it's only been what a month and a half two months now of gigging steadily again yeah i just don't have i don't have that endurance and we're coming into the middle of summer too which is like the worst timing because everything's going to be outside. I'm going to be sweating my butt off, burning through calories left and right, and I have no endurance. Yeah. So it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to take another month just before I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. <laughs> now, when I had to do that gig outside with Colin, I had not had to do anything like that in quite a while. And I know by the first set, I'd sweat through all my clothes. Everything was like three shades darker. <laughs> and by the time the we got done, Colin's like, are you good? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's I th- tough. I think I went through like two of those like whole pitchers outside. They put water yeah, like yeah. for free at Felix's. I went through like two of those myself. It's tough. And if you are not, I mean, I know it's, it, it can get cold up in the Wisconsin area and it can get warm there as well. But you, if you're not from the South, you just don't realize how oppressive that heat and that humidity is. Like, God, it the, sits on your shoulder. It's like, 100 degrees outside. It's 104 <laughs> humidity. <laughs> you feel like smog is just like sitting in your lungs the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's Trying to breathe thing. water. Trying to yeah. breathe. You know, it's, it's so thick. So, you know. Uh, but like I said, I'm, I, f- I feel good. Um, you mentioned that you noticed a little bit Sunday when you came and uh, I think I'm finally seeing some fruits of the work that I have neglected for so long, you know, basically that whole year of pandemic, I just was like, no. And now it's like, I'm paying double for it, but I'm enjoying it a lot more. Um, I haven't enjoyed practicing in a long time. And now I'm like raring to get up when I do get up, like get the coffee done and then go get on the pad and then get on the kit. I was actually literally about up until the minute you got here, I was playing with that track on the kit trying to squeeze in as much and I'll probably do it again tonight because I've gotten into a semi good habit of like at least every other night when I get back from Rachel's I'll I might sit down and play video game for a minute or watch something but then I immediately jump on the pad because if I'm going to be up till five or four yeah it's nothing for me to sit there from two to three yeah and just hammer stuff out and watch a podcast or watch some stupid movie um uh, so, I, like I said, it, it makes me makes me makes me feel good because y- y'all may feel the same way. Probably not so much for you because you've got such good technique. Um, 
but when you're trying to work something out and it takes so long to finally get the idea of whatever it is, swinging this, 16th note trip with that, yeah. shuffle this, and then when you finally get a little, even if it's just like one note of that pattern, you land right and you're like, oh, improvement, finally. So it makes me makes me feel good and it makes me feel good that you noticed it at the gig on Sunday, even though you were only there for a short period of time. Yeah. So that is my week. I know you probably don't have anything to say for your week, but do you have anything to lay down for your week? Just got to send back all those Evan heads this week. Yeah. And then order some more. And That's going to Sweetwater? Yeah. Have you already contacted them? Yeah. They were cool? Um, I'm trying to be playing phone tag with them. Yeah. It's like I call, no one answers. They call me back, I'm at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always a pain in the butt. Um, it seems like every time I order something from Sweetwater, they always do that courtesy call. And yeah. It's never when I'm available. Never. Um, so, but, uh, I, you know, they've always been really cool. And obviously, if you, you know, we know how to take care of gear, I wouldn't think there's going to be any issue with yeah, sending I, it back. I double check the what's available or allowed yeah. for uh, returns and heads as part of that. Okay, cool. Yeah, you can return almost like only thing like drum wise you cannot return back to Sweetwater is symbols except Sabian. They're like the outlier. Yeah, it's weird. That is weird. So you can't return Zildjian, Minel, Peisty, but you can return Sabian. Yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. weird. I'll take a picture when I get home of the little like thing. Or you just go on the internet later on. Yeah. Uh, for that return policy. And that's like a little list. It's like here's the things that we do not accept returns on. And one of them it says symbols and then parentheses it says accept Sabian. So I have no idea why. Huh. That's weird. Hey, but at least they do accept, you know, Sabian symbols back. Um, I really, I was talking to Dakota about it in the car. I was like, man, if Sweetwater would just pick up Istanbul, and he, we're talking about bass as well, and I was like, if they would pick up Mark Bass and Istanbul, that's two really great band, brands that a lot of guys play. And I just don't, I don't know if it's like a franchising thing or like a territory thing, why they don't pick that up. Um, but it, I, I, I keep wishing like they would pick some of that stuff up because I've gotten heavy into the, you, you know, the exist line. Basically I'll use anything exist in yeah. Istanbul. I've had great luck with the regular exist, um, the 21 inch ride, the 15 inch hats and the 18 inch crash. And then in the dry dark line, the 20 inch crash, the 13 inch hats and what's my ozone called dark ion. Yeah. But it's all in exists, so I kind of have a really good idea what the regular exist stuff sounds like, and then the dark stuff. Yeah, I would be afraid, and I'm still because I've, I've done it a couple of times looking for like a good deal on like a green label Istanbul. But I would be heavily afraid of ordering something or paying like full price if it yeah. was brand new because I don't really. I mean, you can, you can check all the videos out you want. But I've never known anybody to own any of those. I've never put my hands on one. I don't really know what they sound like. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal with the Exist stuff because the ride is $169. The hats are $199. The crash is one six. I can I can eat that if yeah, something you, went yeah, wrong. Once you start jumping into like three, four, five, six hundred $600 symbols, then yeah. it gets a little... That's why I wish Sweetwater would would get to the point where they would carry those because then I could finance it and then it wouldn't be a big deal. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure anything that I ordered of that upper line stuff would sound great, but I don't know enough about the brand. Like if you were to say, find me this that sounds this dry or this dark or this, 
I could point in Sabian and go, yeah, order this, order that. Order yeah. That's what it's. Istanbul, I really don't know. I know everybody loves the 30th anniversary stuff. Um, I know the signature stuff is really cool. That Turk series seems to be real cool. But again, I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe one day when we or I get to Forks or Memphis, finally, I'll be able to put my hands on some of the expensive stuff. Be like, okay, that yes, maybe this no. Because um, you guys got that gang of Memphis coming up, right? Uh, no, what's in, uh, what's the casino town that's right there by it? Um, Tunica. Yeah. So we'll be in Tunica, which is 40 minutes from Memphis. So I could technically make a trip to Memphis Drum Shop if I just went up early and have a couple hours. So I want to try to do that. And what do you want me to get you? A t-shirt? A t-shirt. <laughs> That's all I want is a t-shirt. I'll get you the t-shirt. You got. You were nice enough to get me the Nelson, Nelson Drum Shop rag, so I'll pick you up a t-shirt when I go there. And I'm just going to tell Dakota, be like, man, if you're riding with me on this one, we're leaving at noon. Yeah. And I want at least a couple of hours in Memphis uh, Drum Shop to look at those symbols because, at least for me, I like Memphis as a drum shop, but that's not what I would go there for. I would go there for symbols. Yeah. Every time I've gone in there and looked in the main, like the drum rooms, like there's always a big Pearl display and there's always a big Yamaha display. And that's like it. That's like their two bread and butters there. They do obviously do carry a lot of other stuff, but it, like they really seem to focus on those two brands as their main thing. But then you go into the symbol room and it's like Minel, Pasty, Zildjian, Sabian, Istanbul. What do you want? Like, yeah, literally everything there. It's probably like three spezzacinos in the back. They don't talk about. You know, ask for it. <laughs> Who were we? Was it Hugh we were talking with, trying to explain to him what the spezzacinos were? And he was like, "They're how much?" Yeah, <laughs> he didn't know how much they were because <laughs> he has them in that symbol book of his. But he's like, he's never really looked in much past yeah. it. And we're like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's the U Fit Factory. And we're like, okay. I was like, and he's like, oh yeah, they did all these. I was like, yeah, well they're. $2,000 for a ride. He's like, huh? He's like, say, it, say that again, boys. We're like, yeah, it's 2000 for a ride. That's right, folks. $2,000 for a single symbol, which I guess is not bad because what that Zildjian one, that the Armand Private Reserve, whatever they let out, wasn't that about that and price? That's 2000 but that's also, uh, you get a bunch of other junk, too, with it. You get a box. Yeah, you get the, the, the flight case, the gloves, yeah. the whole... Symbol of uh, the Certificate of Authenticity. Yeah. You yeah. get a Chino, it's like... Here's bubble wrap on a cardboard box. Don't yeah, break it. Don't break it. <laughs> Here's bubble wrap in a cardboard box. Don't break, break it. it. <laughs> yeah, to make sure FedEx doesn't touch it. I don't know, man. There's there is a there is a line that it gets pretty gray at a certain point. It's like I'm pretty much to the point nowadays where I will play anything no matter how expensive it is. I'm done with the whole oh, it's gotta sit up on the wall and you can't look at it. I'll play anything. There is a line, though, where you start paying that much for a single piece of equipment. It's like, I don't know that I'd play it. Yeah. Like, here, yes. But, like, taking a Spizzicino that's two or $3,000 out to a, a beach gig? No. <laughs> I don't know. If Sorry, I'd Jimmy play. Buffett. Yeah, no right. swinging for you. <laughs> I'm playing B8s all night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, that was, uh, what did he say? Something about the sound guy at the hangout was like, Oh, uh, what was he? I can't even remember the story he was telling me now, but he basically said the guy had come out with a full, like a five piece kit, and it was like the typical 22, 12, 13, 16. He said that guy had nothing but B8s and nothing but duct taped 
drum heads. Because, of course, when he said, you know, your snare drum sounds great. And I was like, yeah, but what? I was like, tell me about the bad ones. He's like, oh. <laughs> B8 Pros and Duct Tape. B8 Pros and Duct Tape. That's Not Gaff Tape, Duct Tape. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> Like I said, I'm going to get that guy's name next time and uh, and try to get him to, well, I guess he may or may not be able to because it would be a Thursday. The band would have started 34 minutes ago, so I don't know yeah. if he can, but it would be cool to see if he can possibly weigh in. Um, he was he did a really good job, and like I said, it was nice to get that um, to get that compliment. So um, anyway, before I start rambling too much, anybody jumping in on the chat before we get into the viewer stuff for the day? Yeah, uh, Dakota says nice glasses. Do you like my? Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say something. Was, what, what, what are the, what's the guy? Do you like my Unabomber glasses? Yeah, it's very nineteen seventies. <laughs> well, I'm really good about, and I'll I'll send you all the links to this stuff, and and y'all can look this stuff up too. Most of these glass companies that are on that I advertise on Instagram all have like a first pair free. Uh, I buy a lot of stuff from I Buy Direct, and they have like promo code first pair free so i found the glasses i normally wear and i think i paid 12 or 13 dollars for the shipping you yeah know? um and as long as you don't have like some crazy prescription or want like a fancy lens the lenses are free so i got those pair for like whatever it was the shipping and love that pair so much i bought two more pair because the glasses even at full price it's like 30 bucks yeah, which is, I mean, anybody with glasses knows that's not how it used to be. You almost used to be able to budget about what about a hundred dollars for a new pair of glasses. And that's it. Once the lenses were in, and you know, blah blah. Yeah. It's about a hundred dollars. This is like thirty dollars on iBuyDirect on average, and then um, because I buy from them regularly, it suggests other ads on Instagram. And there's this other um, eyeglass company called Kits K I T S. I think they're based out of Canada. And they had their, whatever their promo was, and it was not a promo code, but basically most of the glasses are sixty nine ninety nine, and that's their discount code. So again, nothing for the glasses, nothing for the lenses, and you pay, I think I paid eight sixty five for these to be shipped to me. It takes about a week and a half. And I saw these on the, uh, on the, on the ad, this very pair, and I was yeah. like, those look like my grandpa's glasses. Like straight up, look like my grandpa's Ford salesman glasses. And I was like, what the hell? You know, they're free. It's what it would cost like maybe 10 bucks. Yeah. So sure enough, it was eight sixty five, and I got them in and I put them on. They came in today and I put them on. I was like, you look like the Unabomber. <laughs> they're only amber tinted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should be on Safari in the Outback or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're like me and Jarrett and you wear glasses and you want to get a couple pairs basically for free, Look up either I buy direct on Instagram or Kits K I T S eyeglasses. Both of them have like a first pair free promo, and uh, basically like what I did, I took a. This is not what I would wear. I wear what you wear. Yeah, I wear what Jarrett wears. I wear the big thick black. Well, not necessarily black, but the thick plastic frame glasses. And so it was very out of my wheelhouse to pick these unibomber shooting glasses but i like them they're really light like i'm i'm like you i'm used to big frame glasses weigh a lot they're yeah. heavy these like there's nothing on my head i was like this is nice so if these work out and stay comfortable for like a week or two i'm gonna do the same thing and just order these pair of glasses again but i'll send i'll, I'll give you the links to all this stuff because 
you're like me, you got to have glasses and stuff. Once when when they break, it's a pain in the butt to have to go pay. Yeah, okay. I haven't. I gotta go get my prescription. I did. I haven't been to the eye doctor in forever. And I know that most places you have to. Not all, these online places. Really, they don't care how old your prescription is. They just want your prescription. They don't care. Um, so, um, like I said, thank you, Dakota. I appreciate the uh, the bump for my Unabomber glasses. <laughs> um, Josh Breslow says, "Good to be with you guys again. Welcome back, Josh. Good to see you, my friend." Um. Dakota says he's got to go for now. Try to make it back. Have fun, guys. Probably some dad stuff going on. We got David Hugstep saying, what's up, guys? What's up, David? Uh, David, to answer your comment on the video, I think it was David, um, he asked us to go live from the juke joint one Sunday. And uh, basically what I said to him in the comment, and I'll tell all of you all right now, I, I, I'm more than willing to do that because that's very easy. That's just going off my phone and plugging the little sure mic so we can get good audio. Yeah. But I want to wait for a good Sunday when, like, there's a bunch of good musicians for us to play with. Yeah. Or if it's, like, Yumi and Phil. Um, and I'm glad I didn't do it right after he commented last Sunday because you had to leave early. It was kind of a dead Sunday, so it wouldn't have been that much fun. But, yes, I'm going to go live. It'll be probably spur of the moment because it'll have to be that thing where I get to the bar and there's a bunch of people there to play with us, or there's a bunch of drummers there. Yeah. So it'll be a spur-of-the-moment thing, but I would imagine within the next few weeks, you'll probably see us go live from the juke joint, and we can do the whole, like, you play a song, I play a song, you play a song, Phil plays a song. Yeah. Switch out and forth, and they can kind of see what we're always, you know, jawing on about, yeah. about what we do on Sundays. So, um, yes, David, I got your comment, and I will do that when we get a good Sunday coming up. Yeah, we get to see Brennan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, we got Richie Henry saying, I don't know much about Istanbul. Maybe you can tell me what model, uh, Horatio Hernandez plays those oddly shiny ones with the green label. Those are the signature series that they yeah. do. Not to be confused with the 30th anniversary. The green labels are the signature series. Yeah. Um, they're dope. They come in a myriad of sizes. I would say they're closer or the, well, like all their stuff sounds really close to like old K's. Not not yeah, yeah, yeah. not like we're not talking like eighties. No, I'm talking like the ones that like the coveted ones, the ones that people are scared to play because they'll break. You got to find them. You got to go through ten crashes to find one that doesn't suck. Old K's and that one you find, it's not like the holy grail for you. But that's apparently that's a consistency within the signature and the thirtieth anniversary is that they're like the closest thing to old K's. You got a thinner one and a heavier one, but the only difference, if I'm not mistaken, between those two lines. Yeah. And you're playing old K's. And that was the funniest thing when I listened to that uh drum history podcast when he interviewed the Istanbul guy. I didn't know it. I mean it makes sense obviously because it's not their thirtieth anniversary every year, but he said that was the thing with the thirtieth anniversary series of those symbols, guys loved them so much they never stopped making them. Like they did it for the 30th anniversary. Yeah. But everybody loved those symbols so much that to this day they still make those 30th. And then you have the green label signature stuff, which is like that's I think what most people are going for when they look at Istanbul. Yeah, I really like those a lot, and I like the the Cindy Blackman series, the Ohms, a yeah. lot too. I want to, I like, I like them all. And if y'all want to check out Istanbul like in depth, just go to Carter McLean's channel. He plays the Turk series, he plays the Dark Dry series, he plays the Green Label stuff. Like he has a massive collection, and obviously Carter being Carter, that's the best example to really let you hear what those symbols sound like. Yeah, because he has a really clean setup when it comes to his mixing and everything. Because yeah. he uses even his older stuff. 
It's before he even got those Earthworks office stuff sounding really good, regardless. Um, and he has like a bunch of different demos too of like him playing with the track and him just by himself. Yeah. Um, and he goes through a like a bunch of different videos, like a but of like playing. He's got like ten rides. He'll go through all of them, like playing them aggressive, not so aggressive, all this other stuff. And he's got a bunch of the different size hi hats, even the weird ones like tens and thirteens. Yeah. So there's you really if you want like a because the stuff that Istanbul puts out on their video demos. It's all right. It's not bad. You get like an idea, but I think Carter's and you get um, whatever that black dude's name is from Memphis Drum Shop. Those are the only two guys. Yeah, I really like. Um, I can't think of his name. It starts with the D. But I think it's Darius. Either way, Carter is a good place to go to get because, yeah. like, I really like the way those Turk series hats sound on one of his videos, which would be the only reason I ever would in the future consider buying those. Because like you said, he's got such a clean, neutral setup that it's pretty, I think, close to what they're really going to sound yeah. like. Um, but it's a great cymbal brand. It's a higher-end cymbal brand that's typically more expensive by about a third than Zildjian or Sabian. Yeah. If you pay 200 for a Zildjian, you're going to pay probably about 300 for an Istanbul. Or if it's 300 for a Sabian, it's going to be about four or five for an Istanbul. Um, so it is a heavy investment. But like I said, everything I've gotten into is in the exist line. Nothing is over two fifteen. Yeah, the most expensive thing was the ride. I think is no, no that was, was the, cheap. It was the, the hi hats because it's two yeah. symbols. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the hi hats, and those were, and I think it's the same price for the thirteens or the seventeens, if I'm if not incorrect. But the most you would ever pay for anything would be like two seventy nine. Most of the crashes are one sixty nine. The ride was one ninety nine. It's really affordable, and it's gotten me into that brand, and now I feel a little more comfortable way off in the future buying a full, you know, yeah. a green label one day. We'll get there. Can't go wrong with any of this. So stuff. hope that helped, Richie. Um, we got David Bygum says, probably saying, what's up, everyone? Hope all is going good. It's going, David. Glad you're with us tonight. Uh, we got Mike Malone goes, checking in late from lessons. Been too long, bros. It has been too long. That's right. Mike. You, uh, Mike was not here. Mike had a gig last week. Had a gig last week. Mike's yes, gigging. Everybody's starting to gig. Everybody's things are warming up. Summer's coming. We're gonna be good. But yes, glad you're here with us tonight, Mike. And then David says, "Love Carter's videos." Or I would say that me and Stephen are both really big fans of of Carter in general. I would um, say it's more like fanboys. <laughs> like seriously, that guy is. Uh, What's the best? Like the he's for at least this generation or this point in time, he's the drummer's drummer. He takes off a bunch of boxes. Like he plays really well, tasteful, never really overplays. His videos are really clean looking. They're definitely pleasing to the eye. Oh yeah, everything. And they sound really good. Another, I guess, important part to a video. You don't want to look good. And it well, sounds... like you said, every every box is checked. He's got a super clean. Um, cozy looking yeah. studio like all wood everywhere and symbols on the wall and a nice little desk like it makes you feel like you could sit there and watch the video great sound obviously as a player you know you can't um, yeah and i was telling you that whatever interview i was listening to um was super shocked to find out that that dude at least early on was, was self-taught, self-taught. yeah i'm i mean if you were to blindly look at his playing, you would go, "There's that guy's either M.I. Berkeley, so, got to be something that was 
upper level education to, yeah. you know, or like marching band from early on. But self-taught because like, like just little things like when he pulls out those super clean single stroke rolls. Yeah. Or when he does super clean, like it really with him, I've noticed doubles and singles are so perfectly clean. That's not usually indicative of somebody that's self-taught. Yeah. Like, it seems like he took self-taught to the next level. Like, he was like, okay, well, I'm playing drums. But then he actively sought out the rudiments, the theory, time signatures, dynamics. Like, he's, like I said, if we talk about him all the time, and I'm sure y'all are tired of us praising the great Carter McLean. But if you have never checked him out, please go to his YouTube or his Instagram and check out his playing. It is super killer. Well, thank you. He's like our... Like current times version of like Copeland and Alfred. Yeah. I think it's like he's he's the one that's like you know plays a bunch of everything. I mean he's I would say like he's with him playing with like um, Charlie Hunter for sure. Uh, his musicianship is amazing and spectacular. And then I also like how he's like delving into um, playing like he plays guitar too. I didn't know that and, a and little bass bit. and bass. Um, and so he does so with his bro- his his brother, um, like a little duo that they've done That's some, right. some albums and stuff on. So I do appreciate and like the fact that he isn't just the guy that comes in and plays two and four for forty five to an hour on a record. He'll but make- also the one guy that can make two and four for an hour sound interesting. Yeah, like his two and four reminds me of Steve Jordan's two, two and, and four. four. I was about to say, like that. you're like, I could watch this boom boom kaka boom. Yeah, all day long, as where anybody else would be like, yeah, I'm good, you know. Yeah. We, we can all do that. But those two guys, such good taste and good feel. So, again, check them out if you haven't done that. Um, I bite pretty harsh. Uh, Carter's, McLean's videos are great, but not accurate for evaluating drums and cymbals. He uses EQ and combined with his killer studio, everything sounds larger than life. Everything he plays sounds 11 out of 10, but you might buy the same symbol and bring it home and be a little disappointed. But one of the things that he definitely preaches, because he doesn't hold back any punches, he's pretty vocal. Yeah, he's sharp in the he's, comments. He's pretty vocal about his opinion. Um, he's clearly stated that literally everything he's ever gotten from Istanbul has never been an issue, and he's had to send some stuff back when he used to endorse Zildjian. Like, yeah. Like, I didn't like that. Send him, send him back and get another one. Yeah. Um, yeah, he uses EQ and stuff, but, I mean, the he uses – I was talking with Mike a little bit ago. I kind of dug some more research. He uses those earthwork overheads, and those are super organic no matter kind of what you do with them. You get a really, like, tr- I believe how they were made to be. Yeah. Like, true organic sound, and plus he's got his room – does a little bit, but I mean, still, yeah. he, he's very. I think he goes for a very honest sound for his recordings compared to how other guys might want a little more like compressed to sit in like a, a pop mix. I think he keeps his a little bit more open because the way he tunes his drums. And well, yeah, because so like I noticed with the only reason I even looked at getting the dry, dark, whatever it's called, dark and dry, yeah. 20 inch crash, and 13's hats were off of the video when he demoed the whole line of dark yeah. and dry. And what I got was, you know, very similar to what I heard. Like, I was like, oh, okay, this is exactly what I was expecting when it came in. He didn't, um, he doesn't really gotten into the regular exist stuff, the more A-sounding stuff or yeah. A-sounding. 
Um, so I took chances on those, but generally anything that's in that middle range, like an A or an AA or an exist regular line, you have an idea of what it's going to sound yeah. like. It's going to be bright. It's going to be pingy on the ride. It's going to have nice cut on the, um, on the crash and the hi-hats. And that's exactly what I got. Um, and I think that's one thing we're all having to come to terms with because I've had conversations with that drummer that came to the juke joint, Hugh, the other Hugh. Yeah. Remember he just stopped in. I had mentioned the fact that that was right when I got those exists. And he was like, wow, you're brave enough to order symbols blind online like that. I'm like, that's how it really is nowadays with the way local music stores are dying. And the fact that a lot of those local music stores, because they are dying, can't afford to keep a full line of Sabian and Zildjian and then something weird like Istanbul. You got you to gotta pick the popular stuff. Yeah. So you're going off of Sweetwater a lot of times now. Guitar Center, uh, even Amazon. Or ordering straight from I've, I've I've been ordering parts left and right and I've noticed every time I order something now yeah, a lot of times it's coming from Drum Center of uh, New Hampshire yeah. or Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Um, so I think we all have to kind of have gotten not kind of have to but we all have kind of gotten used to ordering symbols blind. It's it is it's it's a risk, but I think every time I look at a snare or a symbol. I just watch a hundred freaking videos. Yeah. And the bad ones mixed in with the great ones and mixed in with the neutral ones, you can get a really good idea of what something generally sounds like. Obviously, yeah. nothing's going to be the same and no two symbols are going to be the same. But I think now we've all kind of gotten on that thing that it's it's going to be the way most of that purchasing is done in the future. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um. Richie goes, I feel like the concept of self-taught holds more weight in the internet era. Not as much of a bad stamp these days, I mean. Yeah, that's um, a good way to put it. Th- that I'd, not that I'd ever recommend not taking one-on-one lessons. And then I bite pretty hard. He goes, it's, he explained to me how I could think pretty harsh. My eyes are bad. Looking down, it's pretty hard. So I oh. apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I write down pretty harsh. Like, sorry, hard. Um, I'd agree with you, Henry. Uh, Richie, that's not a really a bad thing. Uh, what, what I guess kind of like looking back, once you told me that, kind of give it away is the way he does his buzz rolls. That's the, I guess that's the only thing that would give away that he's self-taught is that no one plays their buzz rolls out to the sides, it's always together yeah, towards yeah. the edge, or over the snare bed is the correct way to do it. Mm-hmm. Either side doesn't matter, but as mm-hmm. long as you're over the snare bed, that's yeah. how you're supposed to play a buzz roll. But he plays his out to the side and does this weird like stirring. Yeah, it's soup. like yeah, like a stirring motion. Yeah, and that's the only thing I was like, and I think, and I, for the longest time, I thought those was just like a stylistic choice he he does yeah. just to be different. That's the only. But thing. But he, I think he did, like I said, he definitely definitely did it the right way. If you're going to be self-taught. Eventually, you got to learn all the stuff. Yeah, you can come up with all the feel you want and uh, and all that—the organic, natural stuff. But eventually, you got to know what a paradiddle is. Eventually, you got to know what three four is. Eventually, you got to know what all that stuff yeah. is. Um, which is why I've been spending the past two months basically hammering out basic stuff: singles, doubles, paradiddles, um, alternating back and forth between triplets on the hand, like things like that. That probably do way more for your anybody's playing than I learned this dope lick that yeah. jab, 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 that's gonna everybody's gonna lose the one on you know so um like I said yeah you know I've all we've had that discussion of book versus street 
But I think no matter what, even if you start out with the book and end up searching for feel later on in life, or if you start out teaching yourself or starting out on the street side and you get the feel and then you learn the book, either way, they both have to be yeah. meshed together. It's hard to have one without the other. Yeah, Because you can't be, can't be super square. No. And you can't have no idea what's going on besides just jamming. Yeah. You got you to gotta, you gotta have some structure. So I think that's... There's actually... Uh, and that reminded me, and try not to forget, maybe not tonight because I know you're tired, but one night there is something I got to get you. It's one of those ones where like, I can kind of hear what he's doing, but I need you to go, oh yeah, he's just... Yeah. This is the sticking. Do this. I got to let you hear something and see if you can figure out what he's doing on this uh, on this Tom Green. So anyway. That's back. it. Oh, okay. Um, so let's get into the... Viewer stuff for the week. We got a couple different things. We are going to start out with... I don't know what we're going to start out with. We're going to find it first. Okay. Um, you got the picture pulled up with the... Um, I do not know how I keep trying to do the thing, and it just gets me back to the home screen. Like... Oh. Like, you know, it's like a long push. I don't know. It's long weird. Push. If not, you can just hit photos, but... Um, ah, I see. So Ooh. the first one should be Mike. There we go. All right. Is that right? Um. Yes. Okay. So here is Mike's submission for the week: a very, very pretty white marine pearl, blue and olive badge Ludwig. Jarrett has the uh, finer details for us. This is Mike's pickup for the week. He goes, somehow I didn't run out of money before this deal came into my lap. A friend of mine is a road rep for a local music store doing runs to schools for repairs, deliveries, and etc. He told me I picked up this kit from a school up north that they were uh, going just to get rid of. He goes, anyway, he sold it to me for $75. It's 12, 13, 16, went a 22 kick. Uh, 70s Ludwig maple shells with white marine pearl. These definitely need some TLC, but I'm hoping to fix these up and get back out on the market maybe a future video on my channel that's why i don't read these descriptions from the emails and i just hand them straight over to you because i'd rather be surprised 75 dollars for an all maple 70s ludwig yeah the only thing he's missing is you clearly see it's the bottom hoops and then he said uh the spurs if i'm not mistaken is another part that he's missing for those and then there's uh He's got to go through and figure out about because you see the badges on the twelve and the sixteen. Yeah, are absolutely Trash. destroyed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. still um, a great find, and the finish looks good. Yeah, like, like it's not. It's all even. Yeah, I was like, you can honestly, you could flip those as is. Oh no, for sure. Yeah, and, and like, get four or five for them. Yeah, lazy me would do that. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> just here's five hundred for white room pro Ludwig's. Yeah, you want really. For them? Yeah, just. <laughs> And I be you know, and and it's funny that I'm about to say what I'm about to say because it once again naturally brings us into the topic for the week. But anyway, I have old Ludwig's. I have '60s Ludwig's, and they are what's the shell composition? That's mahogany, mahogany poplar, or because um, uh, yeah, because we got the wrap on. It's the three. It's the uh, I want to say it's poplar mahogany maple or. Or poplar maple mahogany is the... Mm -hmm. And I love that sound. I love the Steve Jordany kind of old school sounding. But I will admit, maple is my thing. And that being an all maple shell, I bet it sounds, or will sound, super killer. Because it's similar to the one that I got from Lynn. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And that bass drum is ferocious. It's, it's probably... One of the best bass drum sounds I've ever had uh, was that Blue Sparkle kit. 
Well, like you said, I mean, that's a dope kit. I might be with you, though. I think I would probably turn around and just flip that thing and get something with it. You know, because yeah. like you said, you could get probably four or five as is. Yeah. Um, up to you, Mike. Tell me what you want to do. I can totally understand if you want to keep it and play it. Um, especially because it's maple, so I know it would sound good. Oh, yeah. Um, and that would be the only thing I would trade. Obviously, I can't get rid of that kit because it's Dad's kit. But yeah. if I could change anything about that kit, if it was all maple, I'd be super happy because there are times when that just does not have the projection that maple does and it's got that warmer mahogany poplar thing going on which is fine um but probably another reason i've started taking the references out um here more lately and even more so i can't tell you the last time we talked about this last week yeah that i played a five piece and took it to the gig at at uh at the hangout in gulf shores and was totally comfortable and even more so comfortable because like we were talking about once we ended the stream when we were just hanging out last week, all of a sudden your fills change because that Tom is there. Yeah. And it's like not even like something you have to think about. It's just subconsciously you're going to play different with that other Tom there. And I don't know why I was so averse. Uh, so uh, what's the word? Adverse. Yeah. To it before because now I'm really in it. I think it was always that the ride gets pushed out just a little bit. But I, once I got through with the gig, I didn't notice any different. My arm didn't feel any more tired from having to kind of wing it out here. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it's weird to all of a sudden be happy with something like that. It's, it's definitely made me think and reconsider um, kind of what I want to give a shot to. Yeah. Uh, because I'm got a bunch of stuff. I'm actually gonna I was gonna surprise Breslow if he wanted to. Um, I got a bunch of stuff that I was just sitting there, and if he wanted to, uh oh. And if he wanted just some stuff to work on, uh oh, cheap, I'm just slinging, <laughs> like help me cover shipping, and then just get out of my hands. That's cool. Um, but I was looking around on Sweetwater, and I was like, it'd be cool, because I had a lot of fun, you know, messing around with this. And I was like, I haven't played a five-piece, and I don't like 22-inch kicks because I don't have enough room to tower over the kit. And I was like, true. I was like, when I was looking, I was like, well, it's like 13.99 for uh, 10, 12, 14, 20. Yeah. And a renown. I already have a snare drum of that. And I was like, yeah. I don't care much. I was, was going to. And here's the lame part. It's like I'm not going to get white room pearl. I'm going to get some the tobacco. I'm just going to get black. I was like, just get there a just get a black of like super Steve Gad. Yeah. Just. I was like, if I want to get a four tom, like an extra one, like it's easy to get one. I'm not like over here fighting. I was like, and that'd be kind of a, a neat setup if I turn the, you know, 18, 10, 12, 14, mm-hmm. you know, have the 20, just whatever, or get a, a 16 inch four tom and make that the bass drum and then have 10, 12, 14, 16, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm real big into having a bunch of stuff to just. Mess from, but I thought that'd be cool. It's like, because I was having a lot of fun having that extra rack, Tom. I'm going to bring it Sunday. I think I'm going to bring it Sunday. Well, you're not going to be there, so yeah. it won't matter. Um, I will continue to bring it on Sundays um, so that we can play with it. Because it's, it's it's fun just getting that little change, that little head change from what you're used to. Um, and I guess I was just being a puss about it because now it's really not such a big deal. And I'll probably end up playing that constantly like yeah. that now, which is why I was so glad I was never dumb enough to get rid of that kit. Because that kit's perfect. 
Like, I even thought about it. Like, well, you know, you could just order, like, a Master's Maple Complete. It's like, no, you've got a reference yeah. right there. If I if I could have anything for that kit, I wish I could find an 8. But finding an 8 in that weird finish. Yeah, the Purple Craze 1 is going to be tough. Dumb. Uh, only thing I, I found, I thought about doing it. There is a similarly sparkled Tom 8 that's a Pearl Master's Maple Complete on eBay for, like, $169. It wouldn't match perfectly. But just to get myself an eight, I was thinking about doing it. I don't know. I probably won't. But uh, yeah, trying to find something for that kit. That kit's pretty much as is. Like, yeah. They're not gonna. Even if I could find a purple craze two, I think a a reference Tom is like five hundred something dollars. Yeah, I think your best bet would have to be you would have to send your ten off with the one you wanted, and. Uh, pretty sure because i know that they do restoration like all right noble and cooley can you please color match this for me yeah, yeah. and i'm pretty sure they could do it because huh. uh, they have you see their finishes they're amazing crazy and they, lacquered finishes yeah i'm pretty sure that they could pull it off and like hey can you make this you know purple to black or black to purple to black glitter like look correct to this that'd probably be like yeah, it's gonna be you know a chunk of change, but this is this would be easy. It's only an eight inch. Yeah. So like I thought they could probably knock that out really quick. Yeah. Um, as well as their finishes look, I wouldn't even take it anywhere. I'd like send it to them. Well, either way, I'm happy. I'm very happy with it now. So I have to remind myself: if you have a really good rig, a really good sounding kit, don't go screwing with anything. You don't really need to buy anything. Yeah. Got great symbols. I've got the the symbols I was missing. We'll be here tomorrow. Um. So there's, you know, I have to remind myself when I get on Sweetwater, the financing might look great, but you don't yeah. need yeah. another drum set. Um, so, uh, again, here is the kit that Mike sent us in this week. So super awesome, Mike. That is a very cool find. I'm very jealous that you picked that up for as little as you did. So I'm sure it will sound great if you decide to keep it. If not, you probably will have no problem flipping that kit um, again. Especially because of the finish alone. It's White Moon Pearl. That one's always in high demand. Yeah. Like that and then any weird sparkle that's not blue. I think yeah. always always is an easy flip. And, you know, going in and restoring that kit would not take that much work. You can find those badges on eBay. They're not hard to find. And then obviously getting rims and hardware like that is really not going to be a big deal for it if, you know, if you decide to keep it. So uh, just keep us updated, Mike, and let us know, you know, what you end up doing or if you end up keeping it and i'm sure if you keep it we'll end up getting a video out of the deal so if you do that uh just as usual we will uh you know we'll share that when uh when the time comes and to remind everybody if you want to have something shown on this show it can either be photos or it can be like a 30 second video just send it to bearded drums at gmail.com all lowercase or you can also get us through the bearded drums fan page on Facebook, just simply search Bearded Drums. Uh, you can get Jarrett on the fan page, and you'll basically get me when you do the email. Um, we will do videos, but let's keep them. Like I've, and everybody's been good about them. I think it's really been Mike that's been sending in the videos uh, as of late. Just keep them to about 30 seconds so it's not going to like chew up my computer. And then, uh, obviously, photos are, are easy. Um, so if you want to do that, just send those in to us, and we try to show stuff off every week. So, again, Mike, thank you for sending that in. And now we get to the man who I always think is not going to have something to send in and always has something to send in, the bespoke drummer himself, 
Mr. Josh Breslow has sent in yet another kit for us to check out this week. And I will throw the main picture up as Jared goes into the finer details. Josh says, hello. I hope things are well with you, Stephen. This week I'm sending you the Fine Art drum set. This drum set consists of various drums from different companies. The kick is cut down to my signature size. The kit was rewrapped in fine art paper prints. Some of the artists include Picasso, Van Gogh, and Paul Klee. I am an art teacher, so I'm very familiar with the history of art. This was the first time I used the Evans Red Hydraulic Heads. I enjoyed them quite a bit and found them to be very musical. I also used drum cues to dampen the kick drum. I highly recommend this product as well. I created a few different versions of this kit, as you can see from the pictures provided. Drum sizes, the bass drum is a 9x22. Tom is a 7x8. The other Tom is an 8x10. Uh, there's another one that is 6x12 for live shows. And then a six, oh, sorry, then a 10x16 for Tom. Thanks, Josh. It is, number one, um, Cedric has done this before. If you have any bit of red or a red flattering accent color for your kit, nothing, and I do mean nothing looks more dope than one of those Evans hydraulic reds. Uh, Cedric has a sonar all maple red sparkle red glass glitter kit, and he did the same thing. He didn't do like you, Josh, if I can find the overhead. Um, he didn't do all the toms and everything like there, but he did the front head, and it looks so freaking cool. And like I said, from the shots that Josh has sent us, uh, there's plenty of red in there, you know, to, to give that accent too. So it looks super dope. And like you said, you can kind of see the artist influences on like each different, let me find the toms. Like, yeah, what is, is that uh, Picasso or is that? Uh, I believe that is uh, it's not Klee. Uh, that I'm sure Josh will. Like that might be Picasso. I need a. I'm because I know that's Van Gogh. That's There's Starry. Yeah, that, that's Starry Night. And um, then I can't really tell about the bass drum. I am so bad when it comes to to art. I am ignorant Josh. of art, um, but I will say this: the kit, as always, it's like you you put some of the most interesting stuff on these kits, and you really do turn out some true one of the kind you know, little kits here. I think it looks great. I like the um, the red accents with the head. I would be interested to know, like I know you said you liked them, but, you know, I really, those drum cubes are a very interesting product. And I've always kind of wanted to try them out. And I know you seem to like them, uh, but it's, it, that's one of those products that's just weird enough to keep you from like blindly ordering it. Yeah, because it's, it's like, why not just get a pillow? But I, what I think the cool part about those cubes is probably what he might say um, is that it's adjustable. You can literally, it's not just one or nothing. You can just keep piling and piling. And yeah, piling. or not pile. Or take exactly. one, literally, if, it, you, if, if enough of a difference could be made by pulling one cube out of the kit. Yeah. It's a very interesting uh, product. And I remember when they came out thinking it was very interesting and saw all the videos of that NAM when that happened. Um, but again, I, I, and I don't remember the pricing. Josh, if you're still in the chat and you can throw up a, a general pricing on what you paid for 
if I can find the picture with there, like what did you pay for what looks like about the bottom quarter of the bass drum filled up with those cubes? Um, and maybe we'll have to, I don't know, maybe have to order these one day and do a review of them. Actually, Mike Malone did a good review this week of the, um, what did he do? Oh, the booty shakers. Yeah. He got the booty shakers for the floor tom legs, and he also got the booty shakers that go into a uh, snare a, basket. Because uh, I, because I have those, I put that on that uh, Gretsch Marvel stand. You like them? So, yeah. You notice a difference? Yes. Uh, I mostly use it just to protect the the hoop yeah, yeah. on that metal stand, but I have noticed a difference. Because um, like most of like the snare stands we have, it's that super thick rubber, and yeah, and it. It's not the best, and especially, I don't know everyone else says, I kind of, like, get cheaper snare stands. I mean, it's not going to do a whole lot, like, for a snare drum, but definitely for a rack tom, it's a, it's a world of difference. Yeah, because that's been my, every time I've tried to do that thing, which I hate, I'm 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 so opposed to putting a freaking rack tom on a basket. I, that's why I hate how a lot of the drum companies that I might be interested in nowadays None of them put bass drum mounts on the bass drums anymore, so everything is in a basket. Yeah. I can't do that, and that's probably why, because every time I've ever tried it in my life, this was before Booty Shakers came out, you put a tom into a basket, and all of a sudden it sounds dead and terrible. Because there's, there's two ways that like you can get around it, but I don't trust myself doing it. Uh, like how Carter does it on like the triple flange, you put it in the flange. In the flange, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I'm like you. I'd be afraid. Yeah, to, like you'd hit it, and it'd, you know, something like that. I mean, no matter how sturdy of a stand is, I still would feel slightly uncomfortable having just that much, because you still have to tighten it down to where it's not gonna fall out or be loose. But if, to me, it's like that less purchase. Um, yeah, I know that Gogger uh, percussion. He has a cool way of doing that for guys. Um, his is a pretty cool system. So there's a metal rim that floats on the outside so it has that same spring suspension that goes in the uh the tension rods so your drum still floats free but then your basket goes on that actual metal rim instead of the actual hoop itself and so the drum can still bounce and flex inside of it but you have the resonance that you'd get so it's almost like the same thing it's like a, a an upgraded little booty shaker for your, yeah. your basket is that what the one you bought for it's similar that's it's it's picture it's like the same design, but I have brackets that go on um, to accommodate floor tom legs. Basically, oh, okay, basically, yeah, okay. if I, if I took those off, yeah, put in a snare stand, it would basically be the exact same thing. But the ones that are like rack toms, they come down a little bit lower, so it's it grips the outside better hmm. um, instead of it because otherwise it would be like super weird with what I have. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, the, the point <laughs> being is, um, so you did notice. A difference though yeah with those. i did and i did notice and i not before even mike's video i noticed just in the general booty shaking videos <laughs> it's just funny to say that yeah in all it's of the fun, booty shaking videos name. you can on the floor tom i don't know if i ever watched the ones about the basket inserts but the floor toms i could tell a difference oh yeah and i've always been I, I mean it's even just a simple thing between if you have like really cheap floor tom legs and then like the floor tom legs that come with the Midtown yeah. are the cheap pearl ones. They're not cheap, but they're the basic ones. And then now that when I got that kit from you, I have the reference floor tom legs yeah. that basically float on top. 
I noticed it different in that floor tom between those two legs. So I think just a simple change of standard floor tom legs to an upper end floor tom leg will do enough. And then it's just basically the same thing. So I, the booty shakers do work for the floor tom. I had just never been really aware of the ones for the snare basket. And Mike did a, a good review of both products. You can go to Mike Malone Drums on YouTube and check out that video. Um, but it's it's a it's a cool it's a cool product. Um, only thing with me is I'd be afraid if I like got the floor tom ones. Then that's three things you got to three little foam things you got to carry with you. Yeah, and they might get squished or torn. And more than likely, what I would probably do is lose one. Yeah, you know that's my only thing. Um, studio probably awesome for a heavy gigging live drummer. Maybe not. If you're really good about keeping your gear, yeah, just probably a little extra um, care, care, a little extra TLC whenever you're, yeah, packing up and and breaking down and all that. Yeah, but anyway, the the whole thing being muffling and things, products like that. Back to Josh, um, I would be interested to know like a more in depth review on the drum cubes. But anyway, getting back to Josh, like I said, as usual, the bespoke drummer himself coming through with another very unique. Super cool looking drum set. Uh, drum set. You always do a good job, and uh, like every shot, that's just. And I, I think if I was out in the middle of the country, wandering around, and happened across a show, I think I could pick out a Josh Breslow special just by walking past a stage. Like I, I know who built that kit. Oh yeah, and if you go, uh, go two pictures back to the uh, with the with the. So I saw it on his Instagram. That's kind of neat because I guess he I guess you play like kind of like more folksy type stuff, uh, Josh. I'm guessing Americana. There we go. Um, <coughs> so that weird red Coke bottle thing is a fire extinguisher that he put on. He put on. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's a fire extinguisher that he put. I'm gonna uh, walk up to the monitor. Yeah, uh, uh, a tom mount on it, so he can mount it to the uh, to a rail system. <laughs> I think it's super cool to have like how he kind of like. Because like you, if you look at Josh, you definitely I would say like at first glance, I like this guy plays like ragtime and Dixie Americana because he wears a flat cap and has a big curly mustache. And I think it's cool that he also kind of like digs in like the old trap set of like guys having yeah. bits and bobs and playing. Like he had that one kit with the washboard and stuff on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. So um, it's like I kind of like how you. It's very kind of cool. get that. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, you pointed out, and it basically looks like they just cut the bottom of the. Uh, extinguisher off, I guess, to make it hollow to where it'll ding when you hit it. Um, but that's very cool. I think the weirdest one I ever saw was a guy, just like some random Instagram video. He's like a big drum set guy, so he's got like three toms up front, one rack tom or one floor tom, snare, bunch of cymbals, and then on the front of his rack system, he had what was I don't even I don't know because I'm not in the military, but like. Those big shells, like once they shoot it, the shell's still big, this big. So yeah. like with the bullet head, it would be like that big. He had a like a artillery shell mounted that long on the front of his rack, and he would you know, ding 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 ding. It was the weirdest and coolest thing I've ever seen is a whatever millimeter <laughs> artillery yeah. shell mounted on the rack. But uh, kind of the same thing there with the uh, with the uh, fire hydrant. I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out. So. Like I said, as always, Josh Breslow coming in with some very cool custom stuff for the week. So, 
there's one more big shot of the kit with those beautiful red hydraulics on it. Um, any more in the comment before I get to the end of this section? Let me uh, not mess this up. Don't mess it up, bro. Uh, I'm going to go this way. All right, let's go to that and click on live, get up to date. Oh, you're not, oh, you were out of the, uh, you were out of yeah, the Yeah, thing. you got me reading. Got reading. <laughs> got oh, read. and we got one more. Got, so. me read, got me reading emails, dog. Um, let's see. Mike goes, uh, sometimes I have to remind myself when I'm heavily focusing on technique and proper method, the, but most of the drummers I love had little to no prior instruction. Sometimes I have to dial it back a bit. Um, Richie goes, can you replace badges like that? Yeah, so, Richie, there's this cool... Okay, we'll go back to... We'll take a step back. I definitely agree with you on that, Mike. A lot of the guys we look up to, I always immediately assume they went to, like, Juilliard or some conservatory and studied. And But most of them just like, no, they just played with... Yeah, the they good, just ground, yeah. you know, ground, woodshedding ground. But, you know, but there's also the other side of that where the guys that you literally know, that is how they came up. Dave Weckl or, you know, people like that. So, like I said, I think there's always a really good balance... Of both, but I know. think it's like a big part is like the environment where they're at. It's like, like if you put Dave Weckl down here and he like didn't leave, I don't think Dave Weckl would be Dave Weckl. Like True. Wh wherever he was, like that was the right place, right time. I mean, he goes cats in New York or or uh, on the other side of that coin, say Dave Weckl now. Yeah, like getting to retire, move to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. I bet you, you give it ten years. And there will be a significant influence on the way all of the drummers sounded around here because Dave Weckl lives here now. And obviously he would be at your gig or stopping by and, you know, you're having dinner and the band's playing and like, or he has a, a house gig or a little yeah. club gig. It would affect over a long period of time the way the guys played in a certain, just like, you know, the way they play in New Orleans. That's why, because those guys are influenced by Stan Moore and Johnny Vodakovich and, you know, all Terrence Higgins, all those guys. Yeah. So, um, but like I said, I, I always kind of go back to, you know, finding that balance. You know, uh, self-taught. So I always have to catch up on the book side of things. Make sure I'm doing my rudiments correctly. Make sure that I know how to count this, or I know how to do that. You know, as where somebody else might have to focus on feel. Or whatever like that. So, um, but yeah, you're. I, I think Mike did, does touch on a good point. A lot of those people, you think, oh well, sure, of course they're they're musicians institute, right? It's like no, they taught themselves how to play. Yeah, you know. So, good point, Mike. Um, the Richie goes, can you replace badges like that? Um, yeah, you could replace them. You can go through and take because uh, like most of those badges just have like a. a like a rivet s grommet type deal uh, on the inside for the air vent head, and you can file those out, remove it, and the whole badge itself comes out, and you can replace that. They make tons of replacements for it. Just got to make sure you find the right size for the hole, and then you go back yeah. in. They make tools that you go through, and it kind of crimps and rolls over the edge. So you can replace them. Um, but like Mike said, it comes in right here. He goes, my debate about the badges, since they have serial numbers, the replacements would not. True. And for make it harder to date. Well, I know Ludwig always never really gave a rat's behind. About, no, they were just grabbing yeah, out of the box and, and just throwing. putting them on. So, I mean, if you get like close, you get close. Like you know, like, okay, well, this time is was made in this time. If you could find out a serial number that is close to that time, I don't think it would matter too much. Cause yeah, because I, I, I doubt you ever got a kit and every serial <laughs> number on it is the same from 
floor tom to bass drum? No, my Ludwig, uh, the bass drum and the 12 inch, so the 20 and the 12 are the same year, and the floor tom is not. So it, it does prove that at least for Ludwig, they're just big box of serialized badges, and they're just grabbing, just throwing it on. You know, so you might get a little overlap here and there. And plus, <clears throat> I will admit this. It's super pain in the butt to go try to find a vintage badge on eBay. Not that they're not there. Oh, they're there. But guys know that you need it. So uh, I've seen Keystone badges for Ludwig go for $75. Yeah, which is Gre- uh, Gretsch round badges, same thing. They're going to want big money Yeah, um, for those badges. Maybe not so much a, a blue and olive because they're easier to find and not as coveted as the Keystones. Yeah. But still, you're going to have to pay probably more than you should to get those badges. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, it, it's all kind of up to Mike on, you know, whether he decides to fully restore the kit or whatever. Uh, either way, still a good find uh, for you, Mike. Um, Let's see. Richie goes, I see, I see. Josh Breslow said, let's go. Uh, Mike Malone says, more grits for Jared. I have a black five-piece, 10, 12, 14, 20, Kylie Club, and I love it. I'd consider a noun, but they're heavy to haul around. Um, I'm still spry at the old age of 26. I don't think it'd be that much of a pain to haul around. That extra Tom and it'd hardware. It'd be worth it. Yeah. It'd be worth I thought the same thing uh, prepping for Tuesday. I was like, man, you know, the Midtown is so easy. And we've proven oh, time and time again that that tiny little kit can go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, especially if it's mic'd up, it doesn't really matter. But I was like, man, now you're bringing an extra Tom. That bass drum, that reference bass drum, probably weighs as much as that whole Midtown kit. That's not a light kick drum at all. But I, I, I pushed through it. It was fine. No big deal. I don't think I'm going to have any issue carrying that extra Tom around. It still fit on the cart, which is all that really matters to me. Um, but it was, I think what, like what he was saying about the Renown, <clears throat> yeah, it's a little more to carry, and they're heavier, but, man, they're worth it. Yeah. Like the, especially those older Renowns, dude, they're killer. I mean, that is just a killer what mostly lacquered kits yeah um obviously maple shell good hardware like i think that would be a a a definitely a cool kit or especially if 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 i was a gretsch player that's probably where i would end up um not really because the only reason i have the references is because i traded for it i could never afford it same thing with a usa custom gretsch kit yeah probably couldn't really afford it so the alternative being the renowned maple which is basically like a master's Fifteen, seventeen hundred—that's doable. So I think if I was a Gretsch player, I would probably end up with a renowned in a twenty, ten, twelve, fourteen. Because um, I remember the ones we had back in the store back in the day—they were killer. They sounded really good, and that was one of the few kits that the stock snare sounded good. Yeah, I had one of those. I didn't have the snare drum with it. I had the uh, mine was I got the the pack from Guitar Center with a free eight-inch tom. So I had yeah, yeah. I had eight, ten, twelve, uh, sixteen. That's what the sizes I had. They're killer kits, man. Um, definitely something you know worth picking up. Um, so, oh, any more before I get to the last entry for the? Yeah, we got a couple more. We got Richie Henry says Josh is always killing it. Josh Breslow said it was for twenty five doll hairs. Um, oh, I, the uh, drum cubes. I believe so. Yeah, he just says twenty five dollars. Oh, if that's all, the, if that was twenty five dollars for that amount of cubes, if I can find the picture. Um, that would be seriously worth it. Is this it? Yeah. If that's $25 worth of drum cubes, I would be willing to pull the trigger on that just to try it. Yeah. Um, I've always liked the um, 
the Evans EQ pillow. Because yeah, that's almost the exact same price. I mean, I think the EQ pillow is what nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and it's either it's in or it's out. With yeah, that you could really dial in. I guess it's probably the the cool thing about those cubes is you can really get it exact to where you want it to be. Yeah. Um, the only downside, I guess, is that you can't just plop the mic inside on top of the cubes. You'd probably have to finagle it just a little bit. True. You could probably make it a little a little bed. Out of cubes, <laughs> yeah, a bed of cubes, like like, like a paper towel down something. Just kind of like, <laughs> okay, this is your spot now. Um, then Mike Malone said, "Yamaha medium weight snare stand over all the snare stands. Fight me." <laughs> it's just I can't be mixing brands, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's, the OCD it's, kicks in. Yeah, it's DW stands always, man. I just, I mean, I have some Gibraltar ones out of just like, but if I when I go out and in and play for me, it's like I just want to look. As much like I know what I'm doing, so for the sh- the sheer off chance that someone comes in, it's like that guy has matching stuff. He knows what he's doing. I look somewhat professional. Yeah, that's just me. But at the house, everything is like hodgepodge, Mitch. Oh yeah, that's the way it is here. It's, I mean, that's a Gibraltar stands with a pearl kit, you know. But when I go out, <clears throat> everything's matching. Um, and like I said, normally my OCD would just kill me about mixing that Sabian spiral stacker with a bunch of Istanbul. But it sounds You already mixed so good. it up. It's not a, it's a Zildjian spiral stacker. Not it, even Sabian. Oh, I'm sorry. I, How I dare mean. you over here and <laughs> over here throwing. Mixing the Zildjian spiral stacker with those Istanbuls. But it sounds so, so it like, does. I'm sorry. That is the, that is the, like, it's not expensive. It's like 129 149 That is the most useful thing I've ever gotten. It really is. And I think I got that, like, I had taken a bunch of stuff into Guitar Center. Yeah, it was on that rack you talked about. Yeah, and traded a bunch of stuff in, and they were about to cut the check, and I was like, that was like in the used pile. I was like, throw that, take that off the top first before you cut the check. And it's one of the few things I have not gotten rid of. And it might get put up for a little while. It always gets brought back out. And now I think it's about to get... Some serious work when that 13-inch crash comes in tomorrow. It's going to be my main stack for a while. Um, so, like like you said, the OCD is kind of hard to overcome, you know, at some at some points. And then Mike said, Josh, you should just paint the Ludwigs I shared. Just paint right over the white marine pearl wrap. Ooh, sacrilege. That is some serious sacrilege right there. But not to say that Josh couldn't do yeah. something cool, but you're going to make all the guys in the forums supremely angry i guess you could, it would be kind of cool if, like if you got josh to use like a kind of very transparent thin kind of paint to go through so the white room pearl does give like the yeah, texture yeah, like from a behind yeah that could be cool that, could, that definitely could be cool we're gonna we're gonna get a you're a, a, joking i'm being serious mike so don't ever <laughs> disrespect josh like that we're gonna get we're gonna get a drummer's cooperative going to send stuff to uh breslow so he can keep the bespoke drumming going it's like i need stuff like i got two kits mike i i mean two kits josh i'll just give you that <laughs> that premiere kit because i thought about pulling all the hardware off and putting it on that uh those shells i got and then i have that uh custom kit i did two years ago the big 12 16 24 mm-hmm. that just sits there in the corner i was like i'll just pull the hardware off of it maybe just put it on that yeah that bob kit and then just those big giant shells like i'll just Stack them in the corner until I just want to buy that hardware because it's it's already drilled for hardware. I get it. I can get it from Drum Factory Direct easy. Just yeah. the same Gretsch stuff and just like put it on there and call it a day. By the way, if anybody doesn't know, Drum Factory Direct great source for drum parts. 
Uh, if you're building a drum, you need rims or tension rods, anything like that. They're the kind of the one-stop shop for all that. DrumFactoryDirect.com has a podcast now, and it is called Drum Candy. So I think if you just search Drum Candy on the uh, different podcast websites, or if you search Drum Factory Direct, it should probably pop up. They are. Have you seen their stuff? Mm-mm. They're killing it. They've come out of the just swinging. They had Carter on. They had. Did they have? Um, I might be lying. They might have had Stanton Moore on, but they've had like three heavy hitters in a row to start their thing off. So I haven't checked it out yet. I'm assuming it's going to be great because I love that company. They do a good job. But yeah, you can search. Probably on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, either Drum Factory Direct or the Drum Candy Podcast, and go check that out. It's something they just started, and like I said, they've come out of the gate basically swinging with, I think they've done three episodes, and they had three heavy hitters Heavy hitters every time. Only one I can remember right now is Carter McLean, but they're doing really well, so feel free to check that out. I have two more comments before we continue. All right. Uh, this one's kind of funny. Uh Mike goes, I got other drums for Josh to do stuff too. We're going to have to have a Bearded Drums podcast legacy member Wisconsin retreat luncheon soon. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> like the first, like, you know, first annual Bearded Drums podcast legacy member Wisconsin retreat luncheon. Like just And y'all think we're joking. Like we're going to we're going to seriously do something with this legacy member thing. Yeah. Like I mean, obviously there's no point in doing it right now because this is the 16th episode. So we're only what is that? 4 months in. A uh, little less than 4 months in. Uh give us a couple of years and we'll have like a legacy member t-shirt or like a legacy member uh, remembrance board or something like that. We are going to do something with y'all this. get coffee mugs. Yeah. Y'all get, uh, with our faces. On it. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, like, no, our faces on it. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. everyone wants to send in like a, a professional like headshot and it's just a collage of all of our faces. Just, and then like, somebody just needs to win the lottery where they can fly all of us to the same spot. Yeah, and we can you, all meet up at like Charlie, you're coming to us. We can't go to, yeah. Get, uh, you gotta Mike Malone's flying us all to Nashville. We're all meeting up at Forks. <laughs> Jesus Christ, those folks would have a time of their lives. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> like 15 dudes just showed up. Uh, they're taking over the whole store. Yeah. They all have cameras and they won't be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? We'll just let them have their time. Yeah, yeah it's fine. It's good promotion. <laughs> it's oh, good <yeah>. PR. <laughs> right. All right, but that's it. We're all caught up. Okay, good. And so the last entry, and i got to switch over to the streaming app. Um, the last one for the day is a video from Mike Malone. Mike Malone, a, we- a while back, did a transcription video where he did like the outro or credit scene from the end of School of Rock with Jack Black. Uh, he transcribed what the guy, the little young guy, was playing on drums. And then today we have a piece of news regarding that, which is uh, directly related to the clip I'm going to show you. So it says, saw that Kevin Alexander Clark was killed last night in an accident and was an early influence on my decision to play drums with his role as Freddy in School of Rock. I'm sure many of the Bearded Drums family has some other influence that are not actually drums, but brought drums into our lives through movies and TV. I actually did this transcription of his end credits drum solo a month or, month or so back. Thought it's another 15 second clip if you choose to share via the show tonight. And of course, we're going to show it. So here is the video. 
The audio should be fine. I've already pre-checked it, but y'all can let us know in the chat if it probably if anything needs to go up. But the uh, the audio should be good. Jarrett and I will not be able to see this video. Only you will be able to see it. Um, so we'll come back to you just as soon as it ends. <laughs> All right. Now the next thing I want to hear, the very next thing, I don't want to hear anything unless I hear a gut-busting drum solo from Freddy Take It Away. So, just because I'm ignorant, the guy he's talking about, is that the young fella playing yeah, the drums? Yeah, that's Which it. I would imagine, that makes sense, because how old is that movie? That's so a, that, that movie came out whenever I was a young lad, so he's around my your age. age. Yeah. Um, well, that's sad to hear that what, you know, whatever happened, um, that that, uh, that guy passed away. That is very sad to hear, because I'll have to be honest with you. I may, may catch some crap for this. I've never seen that movie. Um I'm not the biggest fan of Jack Black. His comedy annoys me with all the wow, all the crazy stuff he does. Yeah. So there's been some movies I've liked of his. Like what is the um the Pick of Destiny? What is that called? Uh, Tenacious D. Yeah, Tenacious. I was not a big fan of Tenacious D when it came out when I was young. I've seen the movies and they're relatively funny. Uh, but after that, I was kind of like, uh, Jack Black is just, it's just not my thing. Yeah. So I never saw that movie. Um, and I didn't really had nothing really to reference it until he put out that transcription video. So, uh, like I said, very sad, uh, that the young drummer, uh, however it happened, passed away. Um, but still a very cool, uh, video that Mike did. And now is going to end up basically being a, a kind of a tribute, yeah. um, to that guy. And I'll let you guys see that one more time before we move on to, the main discussion. So one more time, here is that video from Mike Malone. <laughs> All right. Now the next thing I want to hear, the very next thing, I don't want to hear anything unless I hear a gut-busting drum solo from Freddy Take It Away. Oh, that's Joe Rogan's thing. Like before, anytime Joe Rogan does a you know huge comedy show, he plays. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, roll. Which is, I guess, very apt because it is. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a classic rock song, but it's true. Yeah. It is a long way to the top anywhere if you want to you know in anything. It is a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll, if you want to boot scoot and boogie. That's right. If you want a booty shake. It's a long way to the top. So thank you, Mike, for sending that in. Uh, again, if y'all want to check any Mike stuff out, just go to YouTube and search Mike Malone Drums. You will find all of his stuff there. He does reviews. He does transcription videos. He's got a killer little jazz uh, combo that he does, like 90s. What does he call it? Uh, jazz for 90s, 90s kids. kids. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I can't remember what I've seen thus far, but I think you and I mentioned it. If Jarrett and I could put in a request for jazz for 90s kids we would like to hear the dark wing duck 
song theme song worked up. So Mike, if you could uh, just go ahead and hop on that for us and uh, put, put that in the spreadsheet. Please. Yeah, yeah. Just get that. Just get that squeezed out for us. We'll uh, we'll be good to go. So again, thank you to Mike and Josh for sending in stuff this week. I always appreciate y'all sending in, and that's what half the show is, is, you know, the, the fun of it is looking at what all of you guys are working on, what you're playing, the drums you're getting, stuff like that to share with everybody. And, again, if you want to send in stuff to us, beardeddrums at gmail.com, photos or a short video, or you can hit Jarrett on the Bearded Drums fan page. So that wraps us up. Any cleanup in the comment section before I start the Main topic. Uh, two comments. Mike said legacy member Koozie's coming soon. And then Richie <laughs> asked, when does he get a bearded drum shirt? Actually, when I... It's like, you know, you get 100 subscribers on YouTube, you get your own URL. So it's like whatever YouTube slash bearded drums. Yeah. And then you hit 1,000 with the timing, like how many hours you have watched. Then you can do monetization. And then you hit whatever the next one is, and they automatically set you up in YouTube for Teespring. Yeah. Um, I've never messed with it. <clears throat> it would be very easy because, and I wish I, I should have had a photo ready. Like, everybody, if you've seen the regular Bearded Drum videos, or the, you know, the here, the, uh, the where's my marketing card? That, the Bearded Drums logo. It's simple. It's black and white. Yeah. So it would be nothing for me to get a black T-shirt, with that, I guess, would you put like that on the pocket? If you wanted to do a pocket. Or a big one on the back. If you if you wanted to do that, you could do, uh, I'd say like pocket would be fine. It's like pocket. Kind of, yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking like put that on the pocket and then something funny on the yeah, back. Some, something but I don't know, you know, or what it like. That on the pocket, and then legacy members with the list. Oh, yeah. Josh Breslow, Mike Malone, Richie Henry, you know, all the way down, AR Drummer, you know, all the guys that hang out with us this week. So we're going to do it. And apparently I'm set up for Teespring now, so that would probably be one of the easiest logos for them to do. Yeah. So we will we will definitely get on that. Uh, it's going to be a very busy summer for me with playing, which is good, um, but that's only going to drive my, you know, my productivity. Yeah. Let's say for the summer. So I wouldn't be surprised by the time we get to the holiday season. I've cooked up something and we'll uh, we'll definitely get that. So keep your eyes open. And if you want to become a legacy member, all you got to do is hang out with us every week. We recognize that name. We see you in the chat all the time. And that was what will make you a legacy member. And then, you know, down the road, maybe we'll give away an A&F drum set or something. Uh, yeah, just comment first <laughs> on all the videos. Yeah. <laughs> are, they still do, are they still doing that thing? What was it, A&F? It was like it was every their, week they're giving it was away? Their, their last one. Their last one is tomorrow, I believe. Oh, okay. And it's for a uh, some crazy, like, solid wood snare drum with, a, I think it's oak. Yeah. I think there's another oak shell, and it's got wood hoops. So go to A&F drum companies instagram and you'll see like you gotta like like their instagram page you gotta like the youtube page and i think you gotta mention somebody in the comment or so, whatever it is yeah for them it's um you share the photo yeah either on instagram or facebook and be subscribed to their email list and then they will contact you via email because they've had a bunch of scammers getting people's information yeah uh playing themselves off as a and a and f not a and m a and f drums but they give up they give a snare. They've been giving a snare drum away every week, and everybody knows a, an A and F snare drum on average is like twelve hundred dollars yeah. minimum. You know, so you could possibly win. I I entered the first one, either the one you told me about yeah. or somebody. 
I never win stuff. I don't know why I even bother anymore. Says he never wins stuff. Got a custom mini bass. Yeah, well, you know, but it wasn't a drum. I've never won a. I've never won a drum True. product. True. Um, never been sent. Yeah, you know, I get those guys that comment all the time on the regular bearded drums videos. Oh well, you're just saying that because you get. I've never been given anything. The only thing I ever got sent for free was one packet of drum dots. Yeah, and you got which is awesome. I yeah. love those guys. Those I love that product. I love those guys. Um, and speaking of snare drum dampening products, we got done with the gig at the hangout on Tuesday in Gulf Shores, and I was packing my drums up, and I noticed the sound guy was like screwing with my snare drum, and he was like, "What does that say?" And I'm like, "What are you looking at?" And he goes, "Snare what's snare weight?" And he's like, "That thing is killer," and I was like. It works. So drum dots, yes, a great moon gel alternative. But the snare weight system, uh, either the little short leather one or the long leather one like you have. Yeah. Uh, and then we got into talking about the, the brass system. Yeah. Which is, he's like, he said uh, that was the, you know, he said mine was like the second best snare drum he had heard come through there. He said the first best sounding snare drum, the guy had the full system. I was like, yeah, it sounds cool in theory, but once you buy the the initial setup pack and then the one little brass piece you have to have to make it fit over um uh die cast rims yeah. it's like 169 dollars but it looks really really cool it does i've always wanted to try it um i'll have to look if sweetwater has it on their website and it's like some kind of 36 months on something that's 100 bucks <laughs> i would definitely order that because <laughs> i've always wanted to try it out but like i said i did notice like that's the one catch to it. The initial pack you buy with the big brass piece and like maybe one insert that comes with it is yeah. made for triple flange. If you want it to fit over die cast, you got to order the back piece that slides over it. And that's like another 49. So it's like literally way over a hundred dollars. Something I've always wanted to try, but I've got the $20 snare weight leather piece and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Cause those now. things don't come off. Like once you put them on the drum, it's, it's there. Yeah. They're yeah. great. It's a, it's a great product. I, both of us, Highly recommend snare weight. You can just get their regular leather dampeners, and they sound really good. Or you could go the big boy route and try to buy the big brass setup and spend, you know, almost two hundred dollars and, and and see. But like I said, I'll have to check out if uh, Sweetwater has that on the financing bill. I'll probably pull the trigger on that. Um, but anyway, so if we are wrapped up in the comments, we, we will go ahead and get into today's topic, which is not going to take that long because Jarrett is sleepy, sleepy, sleepy. But I'm we, fine. We talked about it a little bit earlier, and I was talking about the kit that Mike got, and I was saying that, you know, for me personally, I'm a maple guy, so that's kind of what the the focus would be today is, you know, everybody's preference on shell composition. Yeah. Are you a birch guy? Are you a mahogany guy? Are you a maple guy? Are you one of the guys that like the babinga, the tama thing? You know, there's so many combos out there today. Um, you can almost choose endless. Everybody has a million different sonic recipes for their shells. Yeah, and if you find those weird custom guys, they'll probably like make whatever you want to. It might yeah. be, it might take them a little while, but yeah. you could make your own your own shell recipe and they'll probably do it for you for an upcharge. And I I am a maple guy and I know you're not t well, you know, mostly not. Generally. Um what is your I know what it is, but they don't. What is your favorite, you know, wood for uh, not so much, I mean, snares obviously, but really we're talking about drum sets. So what is your preference when it comes to a drum kit? And if, I guess if you're going to have to be specific, 
break off between what you like in a vintage and a modern? Um, Oops. It's going to be mahogany all day long. Um, Everything vintage and modern. Yeah. Like that. Um, I, I just like the the more warmth and, and tone you get from just more. It's just a more round sound. Yeah. Um, just from like what I like to listen to and how I tune my drums, I think it lends well uh, to to what I like to play and how I like the sound. I've always had a weird time like with Maple. Like your kid sounds great, but it's just a little too, I guess, abrasive for yeah. my ears. Um, which is weird because I like aggressive music, but I don't like my drums to be like super attacky. Or that weird like high pitch thing, I don't. It freaks me out. I like mine. To, <laughs> I like mine to have like just enough attack to where like instead of punching you in the jaw, it's like a nice slap. Um, well, I mean, I, I get and I get the mahogany thing. Yeah, it's so warm and pillowy. Uh, obviously, that's why a lot of people use them to record in the studio with. Obvi- it makes sense, um, and I do love my vintage Ludwig that's got mainly mahogany in it. Um, so I, I get why if if you want the round super pleasing to the ear. Yeah. Like never gonna take it over the limit where that's like, ah, that was a little a little bitey in my ear. I get, you know, the the, the mahogany thing. Yeah, but the only downside is playing that in any super loud or you need to be more articulate situation is that you do lose a lot of of the attack that you would need to play more modern esque music, um, I guess that's the the beauty of me being able to play original music is that whatever I'm playing, it kind of doesn't matter. Cause well, you're shaping is, yeah, your sound, yeah, my sound. But if I got called to sit in for you, I would have to do a little bit of finagling just to make sure that whoever I'm playing with, like if it's like you know with Matt and Mike and Dakota and Amber. That if I showed up, that they would know what I'm playing for any cues or anything. Yeah. Because um, I tune my drums a little bit higher. They ring a little bit more. Not as much like low-end uh, thump to it. So I'd have to go through. And you can do it with mahogany, but it's a, it's tougher. And it's you don't get quite the same effect of having that like that thump, thump, thump. Like a good, you know, a good stick sound, I guess, yeah. would be... Uh, what I would describe it is like you know when you hit the ten inch tom on that reference, you hear a ten inch tom. Like if I played a ten inch mahogany, unless I have a well, cranked. but I, you know, and, and to be opinionated about the recipe being used. Although I would not use mahogany, I would have nothing bad to say about somebody that did use mahogany because I do understand the point. It's round, it's warm, a lot of tone. I get that, you know. And while we're getting into it. All of you, let us know in the comment section what you prefer, birch, maple, mahogany, a blend, babinga, something more aggressive. Let us know in the comment what you're either currently using or what you like in the kits that you do play. Um, Now, on the opposite side of what Jarrett was just saying, I go for the other end of the spectrum. I want projection. I want a little bit of bark. But not a lot, you yeah. know. But I want good. Pro- I want the sound to get out there because obviously, me being in a top forty cover band, um, you gotta 70- have it. You well, but seventy five percent of the time, I'm just micing the kick. Yeah. Part of it's because I'm lazy, but also part of it's because I know 
that kit can project out far enough in a mid-sized club that it's not going to be a big deal. Anything bigger than that, obviously, you got to mic everything up. Yeah, and I would have an issue doing that. So that's like that's one of the pitfalls for me, like in mahogany, and that's one of like I guess I'd say pros or cons for you, like in maples, that you don't have to do a whole lot of work to it. No, it's, it's maples kind of dummy proof. What is a there's a when you if you go look like if you go look up reviews for Pearl Masters Maple Complete. Rex Hardy is on there, and he calls it the apple pie of Drumwoods, which I would agree. Maple sits right in the middle. It's got good attack. It does have good tone, capped off with really good projection. So it's got a little bit of each side, mainly focused on projection. Um, I love the way maple snare drums sound. I love the way maple kits sound. Um, But... Like I said, on the other side, I can get why you would go either direction. Just for me, for what I do, and I, and the, and and also, like you know, in your head, like think about it right now. Ten inch Tom, what does it sound like in your head? You know what you want to hear, yeah. And you probably know what that is. You know, you want to go thum thum thum, or be more tacky, where you hear more of the stick definition coming off it. I know what I want my drums to sound like in my head before I ever hit them. And that is maple. I've heard a billion maple kits in my life, a lot of master series stuff, and uh, obviously a lot of the reference, even though reference is all maple. So I know that that's what I'm going for. And granted, that takes a long time for any drummer yeah. to figure out what you really like. Maybe not what you think you like, because I bought plenty of things that I thought I like, and then you, after a while you're going, this is not, I'm not having a fight with it or something like that. I did it with, and I might get yelled at for this, Yamaha. Everybody loves the stage custom. Um, not as expensive as like an all maple pearl masters, but still a very good quality kit. Oh yeah. Very giggable. But those are all birch. Yep. hundred um, percent. I bought one way back in the day and I, I can't believe I'm going to even admit to this cause it makes, it shows how stupid I was when I was younger. Hugh was with me. We went to that guitar center in New Orleans and I took an almost brand new, Pearl Masters, 22, 10, 12, 16, which was probably $1,400. Yeah. And traded it flat for a stage custom. Stupid. That's wild. Stupid. Not, n- have nothing having to do with the Yamaha. Yeah. Just based on one is $600, $700, and one is twice the price. Yeah. Dumbest move I ever made in my life. Got the uh, stage custom. Just was so happy with it. After about three gigs, I was like, nope. The way the birch is nothing but bark. Yeah. It's all, t- you know, and, it, and it, I know Mike knows, Richie knows, all you guys probably know, but anybody that d- does not know that's watching, basically, birch gives you all the top end and the bark. A lot of articulation. Oh, yeah. Maple sits in the middle. Great projection. A little bit of tone, a little bit of warmth, but not too much. Then you get down into uh, like mahogany, African mahogany, things like that, and that's more low-end, tonal-driven stuff. Yeah. Um, but that stage custom is nothing but birch. So maybe on the top end, the 10-inch, where it would sound perfect, you get into the 12 and down to the 14, and it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't sound right. The kick didn't sound right, and I didn't have that kit for very long. But that's probably why I'm so in love with the reference stuff now because that, for me, is or for anybody, you know, it was their point. It was a perfect blend. If you don't know what the reference shell recipe is, anything up in the high range, 8-inch Tom, 10-inch Tom, is going to be 
out of the six plies, four of them are going to be birch with a little bit of maple mixed in. So you're getting a lot of top end and a lot of bark coming out of those toms. Then you get into the 12 on a reference, which is just six plies of maple right in the middle. And then as you go down to 13, 14, 16, and into the kick drums, they start blending in the other direction. They start throwing in African mahogany to help with the lows. And they also change the bearing edge as you come from the higher toms down into the lower register. So that's why I love, because the 12 sounds exactly like I want it to sound because it's all maple. And because the 10 is a little bit smaller and it needs a little bit more help, that birch in there really helps yeah. throw that sound out and then you get down to the floor tom and it growls really nicely and the kick drum because it's got more african mahogany um so that's why i feel real comfortable because i get the best of both worlds but i never could play full birch it was always for me really to be honest with you all maple would be probably optimal for maximum projection you know in the, in the tone that i like but i can get you know there's i'm sure there's guys out there that love all birch kits uh the yamaha um Recording custom. Isn't that yeah. all birch? Yeah, it's, it's all birch. Um, you know, that's Steve Gadd. And there's obviously nothing can be wrong with Steve Gadd's tone, and that was all birch. Yeah. Granted, he's tuning a little different, and he's Steve Gadd. But yeah. Still, um, I can see where you would go. But for me, maple. For you, a little bit more tone driven. I get the mahogany. Yeah. Uh, the mahogany thing. Um, are they any, do we have any guys letting us know what they like yeah. there in the chat? Um, we got David Bycom says I'd say maple mahogany for me. Uh, we got dynamite disco biscuits, dudes. I guess I'm totally weird because I'm happy with anything. I have recently converted my Mapex to an electric set. I'm kind of falling in love with it. Well, no, okay, now, and I can get that point too. Granted, in 2021, in the futuristic world we live in, nothing sucks. Yeah. So you are right. You could be handed an all birch stage custom, totally fine. You could be handed a Pearl Masters, all maple, totally fine. You could go get a Tama Birch Babinga, totally fine. Um, I think it, it comes down more to, uh, you know, when you get later on into your career, you're really fine-tuning things at that point. You know you can hit a Birch drum and it sounds fine, but you know that that mahogany has that sound that you hear in your head. And it's going to be different for everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, when I hear a... For me, my favorite size is a 10. When I hear a 10-inch tom, I hear a maple 10. It's a very distinct sound. It's got great projection. It's got that maple warmth. You know, the, I, I hear a specific tone. I don't hear mahogany. I don't hear babinga. So, but I can get what he's saying that, you know, basically anything's going to be good. Yeah. We're, we're nitpicking, you know, I guess at that point. Yeah. Um, I got... David Bygun. Nope, sorry. I went too far. Richie says, I've only owned a handful of kits, but Maple has always been nice to my ears. My Maple Free Floater included. My Omar Hakeem signature is African Mahogany, and it's also pleasurable, too. We got David Bygum. I like both Maple and Mahogany together as a shell recipe. You can't go wrong. That is Ludwig's go-to. baby, yeah. Um... He also continues, my pearl sensitone is African mahogany, and my pearl drums are maple and mahogany and sound awesome. We got Zach Gouliage. I've only owned maple kits, and they've sounded great for what I do. As for snare drums, two of my favorites that I have are a solid shell maple DW Caviato 5x14 and a 62 Ludwig Pioneer. You and 
Charlie are both in the DW Craviato. Yeah, 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 that's and it's not a bad place to be. No, it's a lovely place to be. He goes. Uh, he continues. That continues. Uh, which I think is the mahogany poplar mahogany build. Uh, yes. So if you have, so if that Ludwig has a painted exterior, it is indeed the mahogany poplar mahogany. If it is not, you if it's a wrap, you have a different one. You have the poplar maple mahogany because poplar takes the glue better. Ah. They use in those wraps, and that's how you know what your shell composition is. Mm-hmm. So if someone has stripped your drums and painted over them, but you still have the Ludwig hump from your wrap, you actually know that the outside is popular, not yeah. mahogany. Um, if you're not a giant wood nerd, like yeah, some yeah. people are, who <laughs> like, you can just look at a piece of wood and go, oh yeah, that's, you know, cubic zirconium, <laughs> zirconium you know. Adamantium. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. And we got Richie Henry says, I I will say I've wanted a sonar beach kit ever since I went to a Steve Smith clinic. Sounded amazing. Um, beach is such a, a funky wood. It's a weird wood. And I remember back in the day when I worked at Magnolia, I would pull out the sonar kit and they have the Steve Smith signature model or, you know, at that time. And it was a beach shell. Hyper expensive. Um and what was it? Yamaha used to make the uh, uh, Absolute Beach, yeah. which I know kind of like Tama is now that they're not making the Binga anymore. To find a beach Absolute is very hard, and you're probably going to pay for it. Oh, God, yes. I think it is cool that Barton Drums has a very uh, entry-level beach kit you can get into, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. I've always wanted to, to check out one of their kits. Yeah, beaches, it, beaches, I'm kind of with you. Beach is one of those ones that's like I've never got to mess with, and it would be nice to put my hands on something. Because that, that Barton Drums beach demo is really cool. Because um, the guys, I showed it to you at the Juke one night. The dude was blown away. He's like, so what is what are these sizes? He goes, it's 12, 14, 20. He goes, no, it's not. He goes, yeah, it is. It's 12, 14, 20. It's just beach. And the guy's yeah, yeah. like, no way. And he's like, they sound so huge for being so small. So I guess that's a big thing, uh, quality of beach, is that you get a lot, a lot of low-end. Punches way above its weight class, yeah. apparently. Um, yeah, that's, that is that is one of the ones that I've never got to try out that I really would, um, any kind of beach. But that's not something Pearl does. Uh, you have to kind of get into Sonar or, um, like you just said, Barton. Uh, Barton. I don't know who else. I mean, Yamaha doesn't do it anymore. Uh I think if I'm trying to think of anyone else who does, I don't know unless it's a specialty piece like yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think Mapex does anything with beach in it. Um, I know Mapex has messed around with blending walnut in. Yeah, that's. I know. Yeah, their thing birch is, walnut. Yeah, that thing walnuts. Their stuff. Yeah, they're big um, walnuts. But yeah, that fans. that that would definitely be a cool one to try to check out. Um, what one have you ever played that you absolutely hated? Um. Or is there anything that you know Nothing, you just I'm was, like, like, totally not, averse to that I've ever played that I got on and just hated? I just didn't. I got I one, just but it's like. kind of almost a not. I'm trying to think of something I've ever got to sit behind. It was just like this sucks. I mean, the only thing I mean, in I've got behind and I did not like it because it was at this the music school. It's all we had. Yeah, and I mean, when I say it, like, oh, duh, it's just one. We had one of those Medini kits. Oh well, I me mean, yeah, of yeah. Um, uh, anything's you know very inexpensive. Yeah, uh, um, that's the only thing I've ever sat behind them. Like this is just miserable. I mean, no matter how 
much I sat through and tuned it and put gaff tape and yeah, and some things you just can't fix. Yeah, um, I've never really sat behind anything that I was just like appalled by. Um, I I wouldn't say there's anything appalled by, but two things I know I don't like because I've messed with both of them. And it's not a knock against the first one because it is a great drum company that puts out a really good product, a great product. I don't like Babinga. I'm not a fan. Um, it's too dark and too attack focused for me. Um, conversely, that's why I don't like Tama. And but really, it's not a knock against Tama because Tama is one of the biggest drum manufacturers that makes absolutely beautiful anything star classic. I mean, really anything, but like their finer offerings. Anything Star Classic or anything in that Star Reserve line of drums. Yeah. They're, I'm not knocking them as a brand. I just personally don't like Bobinga number one. And then, of course, you get into the Tama sizes, and they've got those super deep bass drums, which takes it even further away from yeah. what I want to hear. Um, so that would be the only thing. The only thing I, I really can't get down with, because I did own it, and I understand the point of it, acrylic. I just can't do it. Um there's no tone. It's all attack. And I've never got a chance to actually sit behind an acrylic kit or play it. Or, or it's a visual thing. Granted, they're loud, so I get why Bonham used it, and I get why people do use them. But I had the Pearl Crystal Beat. It looked cool. It had the lights in it. That was I fought with that kit for years, but kept it because it looked really cool, and it lit up. It is not the way I would go for tone. And I think even Neil Holloman said the same thing when he had the acrylic snare, the crystal beat snare. Way too dry, no tone, all crack. Like That's basically what you're getting is all attack. There's not really much room for tone because it's not even wood. It's obviously, it's, ac- it's acrylic. Yeah. Not that they sound super terrible. Well, like I said, if we're going for what we hear you know, in your, in, your, in your mind when you think of that perfect sound, that is about as far away as I can get. You know, from what I really want here. Yeah. Um, they are cool. I get it. Um, but it's not in the end or something that would be my daily driver. It's not something that I could go for. You know, let us know in the chat what you guys, if there's anything that you absolutely hate. Um, Babinga, yeah, kind of. Acrylic for me is about the only thing I'm like, I would stay away from. I have that, that Birch Babinga kit that I did forever ago. And the Toms, I'm not the most pleased with them, but that was more like an experiment for me. But that bass drum that I ended up doing, that thing is dope. Probably the right size, though. Yeah, it's, it's probably not an 18 by 20. No, it's uh, it's, uh, it's either, I think it's, a, it's either a 14. I'm pretty sure it's a 16 by 24. Yeah. And I think it's just an absolute cannon. And I think you can overcome any lack of tone that you want to hear in the wood with the depth of the drum being correct. Yeah, you know, maybe if it was a Babinga bass drum that I might not necessarily like, but it was a twenty by fourteen, you could probably make it sound really good. That was yeah. my only problem with all of the Tama stuff is those bass drums are just so deep. I don't You're know gonna, why. You know, I, I I don't know. I guess it's for like the attack of their whole thing. Yeah. but they're just massive, and a lot of guys that do play the larger Tama stuff generally all are guys playing metal. Yeah, no, for the I most mean, part. And, they're, and, they're, and they're running triggers. So, I mean, I guess for them, it's more of a visual thing to have that more menacing. Like, yeah. Like, well, but it's know. always been Hoshino's thing and there's nothing wrong with the fact that Hoshino, Hoshino, if you don't know, being the company that owns Ibanez and Tama, Tama, um, they typically, it's hard rock 
or metal. Yeah. In the guitars, basses, and the drums. You do see some guys that are jazz players or pop, you know, funk players. Uh, like Adam Deitch plays Tama. Erskine. I, I say it wrong continually. Tama. Tama. Anika Niels plays Tama now. Erskine, Erskine plays Tama. Um, so there are great players, and obviously any good player can make any drum sound great. Oh, yeah. But typically, though, if you look at that artist roster on the back of the, you know, the catalog, it's a lot of hard rock guys. So I think, like you said, it's a lot of attack driven and a lot of visuals. Still superbly made drums. Yeah. Like nobody's going to fault Tama for anything. No. I've owned Tama, and they were some of the nicest drums I ever owned as far as the build quality. It's just not what I'm going for. You know, for me, maple. For you, mahogany. For whoever out, you know, all, all the guys that have been hanging with us tonight, I know that you have something that you like. Or, like uh, the one guy said, you know, whatever is fine. A good player can take any drum and make it sound good, which I totally agree with all that. It's just what you want to hear. Yeah. Um, uh, any more from them uh, as we move on? Yeah. Um, we got I Buy It Pretty Hard. I own two maple kits, and they're great, but I think maple gum drums are on another level. The Gretsch USA Custom and Pearl Master Maples gum sound phenomenal. Stop right there. That is exactly the kick I'm on right now, and it's your freaking fault because Jared went on to Reverb or eBay or reverb wherever his stupid reverb. butt went and got a killer deal on a USA Custom 5.5 by 14 maple gum Gretsch, and he brought it to the juke joint, and it sounded killer like that drum you can burn every snare drum you have and keep that one and you'll be fine that's a really nice drum which led me to well now i want something with gum in it granted i can't find the, the all i want is a five and a half by 14 natural finish pearl masters maple gum i will kill you or any one of you watching for that drum right now and have no qualms about it <laughs> i will find it eventually but he is so right Something, because I will admit, that is the only, in my opinion, caveat to Maple. Great projection, great, very classic sound of a drum, but they are, like, like you were saying when we first started it, they're kind of wild, you know. They can get away from you. And that's every description I've seen from Gretsch and from Pearl, they say the same thing. Specifically, well, specifically we'll talk about the Pearl. That's six plies, that is four outer plies of Maple, Two interplies of gum. And it ex specifically is listed on the website, and it's the same thing with Gretsch, that those gum plies basically tame the wildness of the maple. So I would agree with him. Coming into it now, and it's, being a, it's, it's, it's a fairly new thing for Pearl doing the maple gum recipe, that for me sounds like the perfect recipe. You get the projection, the volume, and that tone of maple, but anything that might have been overboard is kind of tamed by that gum because the gum is a really hard wood. Yeah. So it's you know it can kind of take some of that edge off the top. So I'm totally with you, man. The the maple gum is an absolute monster of a way to go. And anybody that is looking for a new shell recipe to kind of consider, I and Jarrett would probably agree with me because he has that snare drum. Would highly recommend searching out. Gratch Pearl, anybody that has a maple gum oh, yeah. shell formula, that is an excellent way to go. And thank you for letting that comment through. Uh, Richie goes, also, a stage custom was my second kit, first real kit. Um, but I loved it because it's in, it's in a color they don't make anymore. 
How I Bought It also makes it extremely sentimental. Uh, Mike Malone goes, when I get into higher kits, I don't worry about it too much because they're all great. I get it, but I personally am more concerned with rims, heads, edges, and other factors for my sound. Got to have die cast. That's yeah, well, I mean, I'm with you. Like, yeah. Of course, you get into Star Classic, Masters or above, Gretsch USA Custom, or even Renowned and above, uh, Orion and above, and Mapex. Those are all nice products, and yeah. any one of them can be made to sound good. Like you said, that's kind of what we're discussing, what Mike said. It's like the finer details, the shell composition, what that's going to give you sound-wise, and then you get into the bearing edge. Jesus, that's, you, that's the big thing. You know, and then, uh, you know, die cast uh, versus 1.6 or 2.3 millimeter triple flange tubes. Uh, were we coated? Are we clear? Are we two-ply? So, yeah, it's all very subjective at that point. Um, but I think we all have a general sound that we love to hear um, and that we kind of chase after. He go, uh, Mike continues, but I've mostly played maple kits because it seems to be the most common that all companies offer in different tiers of quality. And they really do. I mean, because you have like you have the Catalina maple, which is different than the renowned maple, which is different from the maple in the Brooklyn broadcast and USA for Gretsch. And then I'm pretty sure it's the same for Pearl. I'm pretty sure the maple that they use for the exports is not the same. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, that's and, what, and, that's uh, what that Japanese maple they use for I that. that's why that is so common because maple is such an abundant wood. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, if you go buy a Pearl Decade maple, it's probably an Asian maple. Uh, you step up to Masters, Masters Maple Gum, Reference, Gretsch USA Custom. Now you're getting the North American, American maple. The hard rock maple. Yeah. Uh, and then you get above that into the boutique brands, and they're getting the top-tier hand-selected pieces that have the really pretty grain. So it's all, you know, and I'm sure it's like that with everything. I would imagine with birch, there's probably really high-quality birch that comes from wherever, and then there's lesser expensive birch that comes from wherever yeah. or whatever. Um, so, yeah, obviously all woods are not created equal and you got to be very sure that you know what you're getting um when you buy a pearl decade maple versus a pearl masters or a gretsch usa custom versus a catalina maple that catalina maple is not going to be as nice as that hand selected north american maple for the gretsch usa custom yeah um so yeah it's it's uh but like like a couple of y'all have said today obviously any nice drum set you know, can be made to sound wonderful. Oh, yeah. Um, then we get Zach Gulledge. goes, it's a red sparkle wrap, so it's popular then. So, yeah, it's popular, my man. He goes, thanks for the tip. No problem, Zach. That's what we're here for. Um, since Charlie's not here, someone's got to keep you on your toes when it comes to all that. <laughs> um, Mike Malone, I went to John Good from DW's clinic in Milwaukee all about wood construction and the design, and I was extremely overwhelmed with the info. That's way too drum nerdy, even for me. Well, that's the reason um, they call him John Wood. Yeah. Well, and I, I kind of keep it succinct. Like, boil it down to what I would consider the big three. Mahogany, birch, and maple. That's your big three, guys. That's your Pearl, Tama, and DW, or whatever. Uh, that's the big three you're going to see mostly. And like I said, it's really easy to break down for anybody that doesn't know. I know most of you do know. You know, you want top end and a lot of attack, you go birch. You want right in the middle with a good blend of tone and projection with that really classic, you know, I keep saying maple sound, you go with maple. maple. If you want that low, growly, a lot of low end, you go for the mahogany. That's a really easy way to kind of gauge it. And then you can get into the, the exotic side of that. That's like, I want something. 
that's birch, but not quite birch. Yeah. Well, then to think about oak or cherry, because because you get into those kind of weird things. Oak is a whole nother uh, whole other ball game. It's very attacky, but it's extremely loud. It's very yeah, loud. Yeah, those uh, oak customs. Uh, those though. oak customs. So many guys have had those, and they are obnoxiously loud. Which may be a great thing if you're a touring drummer out on a big stage all the time. They are heavy and they are really, really loud. I'm not a fan of oak, only because I just don't need that much power between my legs. It just doesn't, you know, I don't need all that. Maple will do it just fine. Maple with die cast, perfect. Yeah. Like, that's that's it. It's all I'm ever going to need. So, like I said, it's all subjective at this point, but we're glad that you're all letting us know, you know, how you feel about it. Because you get into your, you get into cherry, which is, I think cherry kind of like is like a bridge between birch and maple. Mm-hmm. Like it, you still get a little bit of junk in your trunk, but it's it's definitely I would say as as, as abrasive. Yeah. Um, but then again, we get into all different types of cherry and everything. And if you want to get like more, you know, exotic on your mahogany side, there's always walnut. Yeah. In beach, I mean, you always can get over on that side. Um, and then DW had a video they did, I think, a year ago, which is really cool. They did an A and B, an A, B, and C of um, maple, oak, and cherry for their Pure series that they did, um, which was a really fun uh, watch. And you could definitely they have them all tuned the same. I forgot who they have playing those kits. And the, what they do is that they have him play a groove, and then they do A to B comparisons, um, like, in, in the studio, and they have, like, the engineer going through and has everything chopped up, and he's like, I like this because you get all this going on, and I can, I can touch these up. So you get kind of, like, a mini, like, a producer lesson in top of, inside of a, a drum comparison video, which I really thought was really cool. Well, and plus, like, DW's probably the king of, like, we will put anything, maple, birch, mahogany, a blend, cherry, walnut, Bingo. Like they will grab and have over the course of their history, grab just about everything you can think of. Yeah, pine, ash, eucalyptus, bamboo. Those what do they call them when the the logs are sunk under the bog oh, for a thousand God, million I, years? I they forgot. do the you know yeah. they, they've done concrete, the concrete snare, snare drum, drum. They, yeah. the bamboo cross laminated, the X whatever that X. Yeah, there's, plies. A car, there's the carbon fiber snares. Yeah, I mean, they, and and a lot of them do the carbon fiber. The, mm, there we go. There's another one I'm not really a big fan Synthetic of. Synthetic blended drums. You have the carbon fiber. I almost pulled the trigger on that Kapoor fiberglass until. Thank you so much. I know you're not watching because you're a big famous drummer. Thank you, Louis Palmer, for steering me away from that drum because he said it's a beautiful drum, sounds great, but I guess the Kapoor being a softer wood and the, the carbon fiber being not wood, it doesn't produce that much volume. So thank you, Louis, from the bottom of my heart, from stopping me from buying that snare drum, even though I still want it. Thank you for stopping me from buying that. Um, Any more before we, uh, oh, yeah, we wrap it out? Oh, we got a good bit still. Um, we got Richie Henry. Same. The only kits I've disliked were based on sizes or someone else's tuning. Um, David Bygum says Barton is a good drum company. I played and recorded on one of their kits, and it was a nice sounding kit. Oh, well, which nice. one did you get to play on, David? Uh, be more specific. Yeah, let us I, know. In the I know chat. Got, Tell us about your Barton. Yeah, because there's not much on them. Um, I mean, some guys are endorsed by them. There's a couple guys that have beach kits that are dope. Um, this one dude does like lo-fi. Uh, like hip hop, jazz stuff, and he has a Barton kit, and it sounds really good. But it's only just from. His I love the way the drums look. 
Oh, I love those finishes he does. Yeah, they really are. They're super nice. And then we have Steve Voras says, I love my DW acrylics. The 16th floor tom especially sounds huge. Um, Dakota's back. And, of course, not to disparage any one type. Yeah. And like I was doing earlier, not to disparage acrylic. But for me, it just doesn't, doesn't work. I get why it does work. Obviously, John Bonham would not have made it famous if it wasn't if it didn't sound good. They yeah. obviously do sound good. We're talking specifically about what you like to hear. And like I said, I'll, I'll keep saying it. You know when you hear that 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 sound clip in your head, you know what you're looking for. Is it brass? Is it, you know, it doesn't even have to be wood. Of course, you know, there have been companies that have made getting copper the, shells. Getting the cue drums. I've all, I've, that's one of my bucket lists is to be able to sit behind one of um, Ian Rubin's cue drum kits for like, He's got steel. He's got aluminum. He's got brass. He's got. I want to check on those copper kits. Yeah, because they look so. Copper's cool. are cool. Copper's are really cool, especially because obviously you don't see it in drum kits a lot because it's expensive. But one of the most interesting things I think you can make a snare drum out of is copper, uh, and or kind of similarly phosphor bronze. Yeah, those are interesting sounding. I would. I've always kind of considered phosphor bronze a nice bridge between wood and metal. It's not quite as pitchy and brassy as brass, and obviously it's not wood, so it doesn't have, but it's a nice blend, I think kind of halfway between wood and a metal shell snare. And that's a whole nother, we're not even going to get into that. Talking about snare drums is a whole nother, you know, uh, thing, but, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's all subjective at this point. And I don't want anybody to feel like I'm downing Tama or acrylic because I'm not, I just know what after 20 however many years i know what i like yeah. you know what you like you know and, I, and i'm glad when somebody does find the one that they like so and then we got uh david bygum says i've seen that video and it's a blind sound test between the woods i thought that was cool they made that kind of video i also enjoyed it because it's like what do you think this is and there are you would think that they weren't very distinct, but that video comparison, they sound very different. Especially like the snare drums is like nine day, and they're all tuned the same. Yeah, and it's like, ka, ka, go, go. Like whoa, if it's tuned the same, you know, relative pitch wise, like intention across it, just makes that much of a difference. Especially between like getting like to oak and cherry was like crazy. You went from like big crack to like real like guttural crack. And then yeah. you had, yeah, it was awesome. It was well, really and like, cool. like we're talking about, you know, I could probably, na- well, I'm not, I, I've already said, I can narrow my kit down. You could just give me a Pearl Masters and I'll be fine. All maple, totally fine. Snare drums is another thing. That's where you get into, I kind of have to have one of everything. I want an aluminum. I want a brass. I want a maple. I want the mahogany because they all produce, like you just said, one goes crack, one goes gong, one goes blush. Like, you want those different tones, and I think that's why it's probably a little easier to get the kit you love. Snare drums, that's why most of us own more than one snare drum, because the brass sounds like it, you know, what you would expect it. And then, of course, my Sensitone aluminum sounds nothing like that. And then my maple sounds nothing like either of those. So that's a good, for me, that's a good, like, and and if you look, if y'all were here, all the snare drums that sit on the rack, there's three that stay in the cases. One is aluminum, one is brass, and one is maple. Yeah. So at any point, if I'm like, it's a huge gig outside, I'm taking the six and a half brass. 
If it's a regular size gig in a medium sized room, I'm taking the 4.75 maple. Um, if it's the juke joint somewhere where I'm a little more volume conscious, I'm going to take the Sensatome Aluminum because aluminum seems to be almost naturally compressed sounding. Yeah. So that's, for me, the that would be my big three. Aluminum, brass, and maple. Um, the kit's a little easier. Just give me maple. I'll be fine. If yeah. it's too loud, I'll play quieter. The snare gets a little a little more touchy. Because um, it's the most played instrument on the kick on the on the kit next to the kick drum. Yeah, true. So, any more? Oh yeah, we got. Um, let's see. Let me get back. Is that Gouliads? The DW kits with the sunken logs or the Romanian River Oak. I saw Neil Pearl use them on R forty. Mike Malone said, I understand the different wood species, but when DW's telling me the orientation of grain for each ply, I'm out. I don't need to know how my third inner ply runs vertical to get an extra 2% of low end. No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually with him on that. I can get as nerdy as you, and we can talk about 1.6 millimeter this and 2.3 millimeter that. When you get into cross-lamination plies, X-plies, and stuff like that, I start begging the question, are we really... Are we, are we gaining anything, possibly even losing something, by really starting to mess with? I know the only thing about that, that part that matters is what Hugh told us about it's just for the integrity of the drum itself. Because they had to start, they found a way to, if you go, the grain's a different way orientated. I think he says mostly for like all the steam bent shells. I think he said because if the if the older like old ones are done a certain way, he goes they'll just crumble. They can yeah. hold up the pressure. Well, no, you're right because somebody a long time ago at Magnolia Music, a rep came in, and I swear to God, I just forget the brand he was talking about. But he was talking about the '80s, and if anybody knows anything about the '80s, or if you're old enough like me to to have seen stuff that happened in the '80s, the big thing in the '80s was you know these big hair bands, double kick drums. Like that, the Lars Ulrich setup. Yeah. Two kicks, two toms, and a floor tom. Big cymbals up high. A big thing in the 80s was the guitar player would run over to your kit, jump on the bass drum, and jump off and dive bomb or whatever. Yeah. And he was telling me, I want to say it was Sonar, because I think they were one of the first to do the cross-laminating plies. I could be wrong. It doesn't matter. I want to say he was talking about Sonar. He said the reason they started doing that, and you can substitute a different brand if I'm wrong, but whatever brand it was in the 80s, the only reason they started doing it was exactly what you're talking about, integrity of the drum, so they wouldn't have a chance of somebody breaking it when the guitar player runs up to your kit, puts his foot on the bass drum, and jumps off the side of it. Like That was the big thing for that. Um, so I get the integrity thing. I just don't know what you're losing or gaining in the tonal side. Yeah. You know, oh, well, the first interplay is vertical. The second interplay is horizontal. Then we cross-laminate the third, and then, you know, that's... A big thing whenever like people start doing that, and I always look, and this is very judgmental. Um, but <laughs> Judge away. But anyone who ever does that, my first thing is I always look at like what heads you use and do you muffle them. It's like if you're going to get all this specific about that and then just put moon gels on everything. Put moon gels and then gaff tape on two on double ply coated heads. Like what's the, what's the difference? What's the point? It's like of all the sweet tone, yeah. You're blocking and it you, all you, out. You muted. Every yeah, last it's like bit it, of it. nothing. Nothing you've done matters. It's like you've just shown me that you've just wasted money. <laughs> it's like if you would have put ambassadors with nothing on it. Yeah, that two percent, you know, would come in, you know, in the over on, you know, overall. 
It's like, but I see an extra 15 pounds of junk on your drum. <laughs> <Yeah>. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> it's like, oh, I have such cool tones. You have a five-pound freaking weight on your snare drum. Shut up. <laughs> There's nothing Nothing you're doing is is helping anyone's cause. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but a good 2% lower, get more low end. You yeah, don't. 2% more gaff tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure which is another... 50% headache for the freaking sound engineer because he's got to go through it. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, you already got it compressed, but now I got an EQ, and now I have to somehow make a gate longer instead of shorter now. I have, yeah, to, add, really? I have to add reverb and then gate the <laughs> reverb. Got, you're the only one in history I've had to lengthen the gate yeah. on. I have to add reverb and gate the reverb because I have no tone coming out of your drum. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like it's Tell like, us how you really feel, Jim. It's like the, I feel like that guy from uh, Billy Madison. Like whenever someone says that, I'm like, we are now all dumber from that yes. comment you've just <laughs> given us. Like it's like, why? And it's like, yeah, just you should have just bought an aluminum drum, or I don't know, a steel it, drum. Yeah, it, yeah, steel at that point. Anything else? It's like you're just looking for a note with volume. Yeah, I really at that point just buy an electric kit. Does it really matter at that point? Just go through, take your brain, spend well, some. Well, I'll knobs. be super judgy. I hate electronic drum sets. I will <laughs> never like electronic drum sets. I would be brave enough to say they'll never create an electronic drum set that sounds good enough. I cannot do it until I'm sorry. until we're in the future where the drums float like in all the cartoons, and they have like their own like circle. I don't know what that's supposed to be. What the circle? I know what like, you mean. Like the Jetsons. Like until we're at that point in time. You know, where we're hitting floating triangles that produce drum sounds. I I just can't do it, and I, I, I will not. Normally, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I can understand this brand or that brand or this wood. I'm, I'm sorry. No, like, no, never, ever, 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 ever. Well, well, well Stephen, well, you know, i I got to be able to practice at home. I understand the volume issue, you know. I, I get that. If you're in an apartment and you live in a big city, I, I, I do. I, that is like the one time I can understand it. But then you get that thing that happens, Cedric, it happened to Cedric, and he came out to the juke joint. You might have been there. I don't know how long ago it was. But he said, you know, man, I've been working out all week, practicing on my electronic kit, and I was doing these flurries, doing all this crazy stuff. Now I get on your kit, I can't do anything. I'm like, yeah, because it's not a rubber pad giving you instant rebound. Yeah. That's why I can't do it. That's why I selected that medium workout on the uh, ProLogix pad, because I didn't want instant rebound so i get on the that's one thing i love about that that and i noticed it today specifically i spent about an hour and a half on the pad in there in the tv room watching a podcast while i warmed up and then i got on the kit i mean granted there's a little bit of difference but it wasn't it was negligible yeah that's why i can't get down with the electronic thing because i couldn't practice all week and then be like man i'm killing it yeah and then you get on the kit and you're like blugger 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 Nothing, you know, that's because I, I had the one tunable mesh heads and I'll try to get mine close to how it would be. But it still wasn't close because like right. at a certain point you would the the triggers would would bottom out. Yeah, there's there's, there's not enough response. So you have to crank them back up again to get it to then you're getting pad hands and nobody wants pad. No hands. one wants pad hands. <laughs> I, I imagine having pad hands doing marching band. Jesus, that was the worst thing ever. You'd go through <laughs> with like, oh, it's kind of bouncy, especially I had. The Raider, the Vader had the the gum rubber pad hands, the one that no one wants. I remember Kyle used to chew me out, and he's like, "Get another pad." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "You got gum rubber hands. It doesn't work on our." You got gum pad. rubber. Hands. You got gum rubber hands. You need to have. He's like, "Get an off world," because he got one. He got two. He gave me one to borrow. Uh, 
to use, and then he ended up getting a Zymox pad, yeah, which is basically just Kevlar tensioned. Mm-hmm. He's like, just keep the old Invaders. Like, I don't need. It. I got the newer one. I'm like, cool. I use that to practice with one of the loudest pads I've ever played on because you're basically hitting yeah. a thin layer of rubber across concrete or whatever that wood's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be really. inside. <laughs> and you're great because you're playing high tension, but outside of that, you sound. I sounded awful going. And then having to go play like a rock kid, and everything was just like the sticks was falling through the head halfway through the drum. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be prepped for what you're gonna play. Playing not jello. what you, you know, yeah, you know, not what you wish you were playing. Yeah, playing freaking jello over here. Yeah, exactly. Not, not the, not the band Green Jelly. Even though it'd be cool, play Three Little Pigs <laughs> like it's 1993. <laughs> little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. <laughs> Great band. Great Back band. to the comments. We're Great stupid. Band. Great band. Um, let's see. Uh, Zach continues. Those logs are 1,500 years old. Uh, Rich Henry says, also, Simon Phillips has an incredible line of Tama signature snares. Lots of killer wood options. Tama was also weird back in the 80s because they had that weird support for your toms because their toms were so big and so heavy. You had the the additional add-on product to put a bar that goes all the way inside the tom mount down with a big rubber foot on the bottom of yep. your of your bass drum so you would have more support, which is insane to even think about. Those old Tama kits weigh a lot. God, those ones that I have. Power times, baby! Those, those That Imperial Star I had that I got from my, my grandma got me, that bass drum was like 75 pounds, and it's that weird speckled like yeah, blue yeah. one and like it's still super heavy it's <laughs> dumb um brian sorry david bygum says i don't remember what series the barton drum set was but it looks like it was either the beach or the essential maple based upon the finishes i've seen and what i remember the kit looking like um mike malone goes shell construction question which shell makeup will allow me to best drill holes through it for dts mounting system what shell construction would allow me any of them doesn't matter maple will be fine just make sure you have the piece of wood on the back side or the inside of the shell when you drill through and so you don't get blowout yeah that's what you don't want and i learned that from hugh so if anybody doesn't know if you drill into a drum and you're going to put a new hole in it get a block of wood get a piece of something something thick and put it on the inside or the back side of what you're drilling through and press hard against it so when that drill bit comes through the shell, it goes straight into the next piece of wood that's your, that, you know, that you're holding or that you've clamped onto the drum so that you don't get the blowout pieces when the drill bit punches through. That's the only thing I would say everybody be aware of when you go drill. Because I have ruined, not ruined because you can't see it, it's on the inside and then it gets covered up by the washer, but I could have had perfectly drilled holes had I known yeah. To just a simple block of wood on the inside or a two by four to catch that blowout, and then you'll get perfectly aligned or uh, you know perfectly clean holes. Yeah. Let's see. Well, for shell construction, Mike, uh, what you need to do is have a stave kit, so where you put the DTS mounts as you hit it, the shell breaks away around the mount. So by the time the gig is over, the drum is also done. It's kind of like recyclable, like you know, one-time use. You know what? Is this a thing that happened? I believe it's going to happen. Someone never does it. Because think about it. You got wood that's already pre-cut and glued. Yeah. If you put a DTS system to it. What's DTS? Director shell. Oh. Well, oh we, yeah, okay. well, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm with you. What we like to have is like it's just no extra frills or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because 
Mike always likes to mess with me because I'm like 50-50. Like, I like them, but then I don't like them. Like, I love having the mount, but I don't want extra crap on my bass drum. I'm with you. But I do want extra crap on my bass drum at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, I want a time mount, but I don't want an extra 50 pounds. I want the mount my cymbal on the bass drum, but I don't want, you know. The extra I don't, I don't want a 3,200 gram ride cymbal bearing down, teetering and tottering. I have to every every song break. Yeah, you know, really. You know, foot loose, drum break. Yeah. Then we're back into the song to type my cymbals. I don't want to do that, <laughs> you know, but. No, yeah, because I think, like, if you did that to a stave kit and you played it, like, smack the daylights out of it yeah pretty sure you could probably crack that that drum uh at the seam i mean because swindle, swindle kind of dropped one of his shells and the whole thing just oh wow a while back well i mean and it goes back to what we were saying earlier if, i think if you know talking about what is best to drill into for a dts mount um stick with the big three birch maple mahogany yeah anything. they all you know for hundreds of years have been held up to you know Regular, you know, in the shell mount. So I think if you stick with those, that's going to be a no-brainer. Like, yeah. there's not going to be anything to think about. It's it's going to work fine. Uh, obviously, what I would say will be the most safe play is maple. Yeah, maple's the strongest. You know, maple is a good hardwood. You can drill into it. You're not going to have any problems. Again, I've never messed with a stave drum, so I don't know how all that plays. Into I would be it. hesitant to to do any. Even if it wasn't direct, even if it was one of those rims mounts, I would still be wary just to put undue pressure on flex something that's not one solid piece yeah, all the way not around. Sound or you yeah. know, roundly sound. Yeah, uh, that makes, that makes good sense. And I, whenever I was looking at putting the rack tom mount on those maple mahogany shells, I got, uh, I was like, are these too thin? I looked up like what the average thickness is of yeah. other drums that have those and mine's a little bit thinner than everyone else's so i think it's not much construction of the wood but i think it's also a good bit is how thick it is yeah like is it going to be able to withstand you know having and i think definitely having like good hoops yeah to keep it from like my biggest thing i get scared is like it's like flexing yeah because you wouldn't think you know wood's going to flex but i mean if you've ever taken a drum and kind of you can kind of Get some. I mean, even guitars. If you think about it, like yeah. people bend the note by like mm -hmm. pr in pressing the body, even if it's a through neck or bolt on, you could still like wood's not concrete. I yeah, mean, it'll it, flex. It's, it's got some flex to it. Everything's I mean. gonna flex. That's why we've talked about it before. That's why I hate hanging floor toms. You can watch that thing. Now, I don't care whose mount it is. Yeah, it could be Gibraltar's rims mount. It could be Pearl's Opti mount. It could be the Yes mount from Yamaha. Because there's nothing holding that thing really in place except one nodal point where that all that weight's being carried it's gonna flex yeah that's why i hate hanging floor toms so like you said it kind of comes all back to you know what the strength of that shell is or what the contact points are yeah and then you know you can kind of go from there um let's see david i think it was the essential maple three piece because the wood tone was warm and tonal and projected nicely when playing at a medium volume he goes, LL is making a joke about how some people are so worried about shell construction and then we take away the integrity of the shell by drilled holes over it and mounts, lugs, etc. My bad. No, Mike, I know what you're saying. My tone's probably just not the nicest. I know it was a joke because I went on about guys putting big fat snare drums on drums that are supposed to have cross-laminated shells. <laughs> it's like, check out my sweet, my sweet 
ten piece McNugget, and or like like uh, like what what uh, the other one was saying, you get a nice snare drum made out of some fifteen hundred year old sunken logs, and then you throw a big fat snare drum on, and then you gaff like, tape what's the shit point? out of it. Yeah, what's yeah. the point? Yeah, you know, not not that you shouldn't change the tone of your drums by doing whatever, but what was all that money spent on if you're not going to hear yeah. the fifteen hundred dollar? Uh, or fifteen thousand, fifteen hundred year old drum shell. Yeah. you know, by just putting duct tape on it. So yeah, and, and Mike goes, but I'm over here just being a jokester, and if it doesn't carry through YouTube comments, no, you're fine, Mike. My tone's probably just not the most eloquent. I did get kind of mean for a minute about <laughs> check out my fifteen thousand. He's salty cent. today. Yeah, it's like especially those guys that get those expensive A and F drums. And they just put crap. They all, all no, they all over. put towels on it. There's towels and beads and and what was the point? Goat knuckles and and sage. And I have to get the evil spirits away because I'm about to put a bunch of evil plastic and stuff from from the man on my ten thousand. Is that what it dollars. is? Like the, the gotta, bundle gotta, of stuff they burn? Yeah, is that sage. sage? Yeah, I gotta I gotta <laughs> I gotta smudge my there snare go, drum before smudge. I have to smudge my snare before a gig. <laughs> Because I'm tainting it with my ten thousand dollars snare drum. With my, uh, how many, how many dampeners do you use? Well, I have two moon gels on one side. That's to tame this. I actually have a big fat snare drum on the snare side because I need it super. <laughs> I need it super dead. I also use sixty five strand snare wires because I want it to be uneven to choke the drum out even more. So whenever I put my compression and EQ on it, all you hear is. That's it. <laughs> Not even a sound. It's just. It's just. It's just a vibe. My snare drums for, you know. I oh actually. I actually just make the backbeat sound when I play because my snare <laughs> yeah, drum I is just, just mouth it. Yeah, I just. Like, uh, if I play it, all you hear is. Yeah, it's just this force of wind is through. It's actually, a contact mic I use my snare drum with. You know, it's there it's, you a, it's a trigger. Yeah, how much is? Oh, this is ten thousand dollars. Here's my you know Kia Altima right here. I'm just. I'm just. It's for looks. With my age 1995 brass w- hoops, I dug up off a Panzer Shrek or whatever. I don't know what those a were Panzer made. I don't. Shrek. I know. It's just. It's. It's just a an expensive drum. It's just for looks only. It should be in a museum. But here I am playing a coffee shop at two in the afternoon. That's right. Yeah, with my ten thousand dollars snare drum. Sorry, it's a little aggressive. But it's true. Guys do it, and it makes me angry. Yeah. <laughs> all this expensive stuff about how cool it is and they don't use any of it at all for what its intended purpose. Very true. Probably could or would have been. Very true. <laughs> I'm sure we've all seen plenty of stuff that hasn't really made much sense before. <laughs> Only person that can get away with that is Glenn Cauchy. Yes. Only one because he, whatever he does it's going to sound crazy and ridiculous. Yeah. Like putting the... He's the king of putting stuff on the drums. Yeah. Like he's the only one that can get away with having the coils... The springs and the and the generic HD head where you can slap it, yeah, 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 and it goes all crazy. Or having a contact mic on a whisk, yeah, really for, for a thunder sound. I've got the perfect frying pan. <laughs> oh, uh, what's his name? Daphne Puerta plays a frying pan on his kid, so he has <laughs> he has his cowbell, a wood block, and then a frying pan, and it's the coolest like. And it's like a, in the go-go bell, but it's a freaking just a pan. He's got it mounted through like the the hook. Yeah. yeah. For the where you're I'm like, it's dumb, but I I love him. Or like the I love watching the guy on Instagram, the Spanish fellow that always has the ten pound weight holding the cowbell down. Oh yeah, that is. Uh, 
That's I mean, I, that dude is amazing. Yeah, he is blazing fast. He obviously has a great knowledge of uh, rudiments and patterns, but. That snare drum has no tone. No. There is a cowbell muting it, and there is a 10-pound weight holding the cowbell down. It is all attack. It is all, you know, and granted, it's a very specific sound, and that's his sound. Yeah, it's, in, it's in an aluminum snare drum on top of it, so it's like, here's a saltine cracker with bubble gum on top with, like, extra salt. It's the driest thing. You like could adding ever... extra salt to a saltine. Yeah, it's the driest thing you'll ever eat. Yeah, it sucks the moisture right out. People, you. But that's his thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's odd, but that's his thing. <laughs> it's, it's like it's adding. It's yeah. It's like a salt with a bag of rice. You're just just drying it out even more. Jeez. It's like just it's just. <laughs> it's like a reverse black hole. It's just he's on it today, guys. He is right. on fire today. Uh, let's see. David says, "LOL." Mike Malone says, "I need to see someone make a snare stand with thousands of wires." So it's just literally a 14-inch circle of s snare stands. <laughs> snare strands. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of J.D. Bick. J.D. Bick is the ultimate. Here's a fila bag for my floor, Tom. Um, did they put that in the comments, or did you say that? To what? The fila bag. No, I, I had the oh, fila bag. But David says it reminds me of J.D. Bick, LOL. I go, Dude, yes, the fila bag. that is the only way he gets that tone. You got to get a fila fanny pack and set it on your floor, Tom, that is on your left-hand side. To do the JD, Bank no thing. baboon to the moon fanny pack, no kavu, no Patagonia. Nope, it's got to be. You can't fila. even use a fly fishing waders belt. It's too much. You got to nope. have a fila. You have to circa two thousand eighteen. One piece of gaff tape on your symbol that you use as a ride. You do that, and you are JD back. Abuses that Constantinople makes really me so <laughs> mad. Here's a, another. Like we're back to it again. Here's a five hundred dollars symbol gaff tape. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? That's my tone, bro. <laughs> your your tone is a replica of symphonic symbols that you're putting gaff tape on. Yeah, I could have gotten you a B8 and got you the same same tone with some gaff yeah. tape as not having to spend the money on the K. No, that's dumb. <laughs> dumb is what it is. Um, Henry uh, Richie says, and that pan sounds dope, too. does sound dope. Mike Malone said, I believe Sabian made and sold those frying pans for a while, but I doubt anybody wants to pay $400 for a frying pan. Nope. No, they've all made something that sucked at some point. Um, I caught flack a while back when I made the the video about stacking symbols, how you stack symbols, like not necessarily going out and buying stack symbols, but making your own. Yeah. And I said somewhere in the in the video, I was like, yeah, you know, all these companies are starting to make stacks now. They're getting really popular, which was true because stacks really haven't gotten really popular until five, six years ago. Yeah. And then some dude gets in the comment and he's like, well, I mean, I don't know if you know, but Sabian's been making those radius stacks for a long, long time. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Those suck. They sound like crap. I'm yeah. sorry. The Mac, the Mike Portnoy Mac stacks, don't sound they sound good. like crap. All of those Radia Terry Bozio symbols, they sound like crap. Yeah. That's not a stack. That is a rattler. That is going to make rattling, junking noise when you hit it. Now you go find two really nice symbols, pick your brand, maybe a 12 and a 16 that fit right together You know, physically, you can get a beautiful stack sound. Don't go buying Sabian Mac stacks or Radias looking to do a stack. 
That is not a stack. Yeah, just check your bell size. That's it. Just make sure your bells are similar. One is smaller than the other, and it stacks right. I mean, that's and th- really, you want to make a stack? Do the thing that everybody does that sounds best. Grab two crappy symbols that are broken. Those usually make the, the best. best stacks. They really do. Just don't cut yourself. That's the only like downside. Get a tetanus shot. Do that <laughs> and tell Sabian they can take those Mike Portnoy's and throw them in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like everyone getting upset like, well, Istanbul did the club stack first. Well, no, people were doing it before. They just didn't make it good. Yeah, no, Istanbul like, did the best job yeah. with the clap stack. Uh, I'll like, give them that. Yeah, Sabian tried. Because I, I would love to, you know, have a perfect stack made of Istanbul, but and a couple of guys did, well, why don't you just get the clap stack? That's not a stack. That makes a very specific clapping clap sound. sound yeah. That is not a ch-ch-ch kind of sound when you hit it. That's a cat-cat-cat kind of sound. Yeah. So, you know, but stacks, you know, obviously that's not something everybody needs or even wants. And you get really weird and you start doing stacks because then you're talking about broken symbols versus new symbols versus this perfect combo that I found, you know. And, again, that's a whole other rabbit hole before we get into that one. And you're adding even more junk on top of something. But exactly. The, but, but that part makes sense. Like, what you want it to sound weird yeah, yeah. and sloshy and because it's an accent it's not the main part of your kid yeah you're not hitting it every time unless you i did see where one guy who does electronic music he actually plays uh a stack as his main snare because he plays like techno and stuff well that probably works perfectly yeah because he had i get that yeah because he's got and he plays istanbul stuff so he has like this weird hi-hat snare sound thing and he has an actual like smaller hi-hat and then he has a uh, spds in front of him yeah so he has all of his other sounds too but like it's a cool little and i get that totally makes sense i get that yeah which i think is neat because it's like those ribbon crashers but like not as gross yeah i have one of those they weren't very fun we used those for marching band i didn't like it they weren't fun i stole it go get you two broken symbols you'll be fine yeah good to go let's see um and then here we go, David Bygun. Have you guys heard the clapstick from Istanbul? Yes, we have. I think it sounds good for like hip hop and lo-fi beats. That's what it's was made for. From I, uh, I cannot I remember the guy's name who designed it. But he's a big hip hop guy. Uh, if I thought I used it a bunch, I would look at it because I'm sure it's not cheap. It's Istanbul. It can't be cheap. Um, it is perfect though if that's what you want. Yeah. I just know that it'd be like two songs that I'd need it on, and that's it. And I'm not bringing something out like that. For two songs. Yeah. Crawl stick just works just fine. But yeah, out of all the people offering, uh, I know Reverie Drum Company does their own little their kind of homey. Yeah, and theirs is cheap. The yeah. Only th- downside, and it sounds good. Only downside to me for that is that's that thin gauge steel. Yeah. And looking at uh, Zach Grooves, he is destroyed. He destroys everything. He does, he um, does hit very hard. He hits very hard. He destroys everything. But Zildjian does a good job of it too. But I think if, if you want that, go for the Istanbul. That's really, that's what you want. Yeah, I like the the Zildjian one because it has an actual like bell to it. Yeah, so you get a little bit more projection if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, but they're both it's the same thing. They yeah, both sound the same. They both sound good. Um, thank you, Mike. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence Jr. is the guy's name. I couldn't think of it. Thank you. I know it started with a T, uh, but Trevor Lawrence Jr. is the guy um, who did the uh, the clap sec for Istanbul. And a lot of guys use them. I'm glad that they're uh, cool. Chris Daddy Dave, that's his big thing. Since he used to have, because his, his whole kit snare drums. Yeah. And so that, he had a snare drum that sounded like a clap, and then now he just takes a snare drum out and has that now. So yeah. it saves someone his it load makes in. Sense. Yeah. Um, David Bagel, have you all checked out R. David R.? We were, we were both very 
uh, well versed in the world of David Ralph. Oh yeah, everybody's best drummer friend. That is the that is the drummer's friend right there. He will show you how to do anything on a budget. Yeah, there's if there's something that you want to ask us building wise, he probably has at least two videos on it already. Yes, yeah, he 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 definitely delves deep into the DIY thing. Every time I think he can't come up with another crazy idea, they do it. Yeah, what did they do the other day? So there's the gong hi hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like. 30 inch so it was yeah. insane yeah yeah i think it was a 30 inch and a 28 inch two tam tams um and they just did it because like so did it to do it just, yeah well because see i had an idea because we used to have a 26 inch uh tam tam in high school which was made to be played on a uh, cymbal stand there's yeah. an actual part in the middle that's like drilled out from yeah, the factory. yeah, yeah. And I always wanted to like, well, what if I could use that for for <laughs> jazz band? And Mr. Pepper's like, what? I'm like, well, what if I just have this over here? So we start playing, and we're playing Glenn Miller's "In the Mood" of all of yeah, all really. tunes. I want to play. Exactly. It's like it's just it's just it's in the mood. Glenn Miller with a like a touch of like Mulan soundtrack in the background. Yeah, I just want to have that like that opening, like you you saw saw the commercials as a kid. You know, it had that big the big gong hit uh-huh. and like Mushu comes out. I want that minus Eddie Murphy. I was like, that's what I want for in the <laughs> minus mood. Eddie Mod- minus Eddie Murphy. That's the vibe I want for in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> All right, read us, get us out of here with these comments because we're right. almost at three hours. All right, um, we got Mike Malone, not from Jacksonville, Jaguars. Trevor, but Snoop Dogg. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, David says one thing. He did a video making clap stacks, which sounded good. And yeah, the gong video was silly and cool. Very it was, silly, but fun. Very silly. Def- oh, His yeah. videos are super fun. Big fan of, of R. David R. When it's not hip, him grasping at straws for something to do. Whenever it's original and fun, it's great. But if it's or just him. him. Steven, uh Steven Taylor acting like cringy nerds check the, out this kid no shit. no the the superhero <laughs> oh oh god or was that even david r was that casey cooper and steven taylor i think it was casey cooper that and was taylor. that was cringy that hurt that was pretty cringy but the the when steven taylor and david r did the tiny kit yeah and the cheap kit those were great videos so they're like you said whether they're useful or not they're always super fun to watch yeah, i like the trash one a lot that was my favorite yeah yeah the saw just blades. no superheroes guys yeah. please let's let's leave that out of this no we'll leave that for someone else but that's it. That's all we got. Awesome. Well, um, I hope everybody got something out of the discussion for wood types for your kit. Um, and you know, and if you don't know or if you're not educated in that, just keep the big three in mind. Birch for the high end, maple for the middle, mahogany, mahogany for, for the low. low. And if you want to branch out into the more finer parts of all that, you can do that and, and learn about all the, the nerdiness that we, we go through here. And the, and the big three for that is your cherry your walnut, and your oak. And that's like the spicy side of the big three. And so. remember, Tama does not sell Babinga anymore. So if you own or have a chance to buy any Babinga from Tama, get it because it's only going to go up in value. Yep. So, again, as always, thank all of you for hanging out with us tonight. And thank you for chatting with us and doing the whole engagement thing. That is what makes it so fun for us. That makes it how we can sit here for two hours and 52 minutes and and, and jaw with y'all over all this stuff because y'all make it so fun by, you know, interacting 
with us on the chat. So, and as always, remember, if you want the audio-only version of the podcast, simply go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and actually you can find us on Google Podcasts. All those platforms, simply search the term Bearded Bearded Drums. Drums. You can catch us every Thursday night here live on YouTube, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And for the audio only, you can go to those platforms. So, again, as always, thank you for everybody hanging out with us, Jarrett. You said we are on regular schedule for next week. Yes. So we are on regular schedule for next week. And to go back to... I'm already forgetting who asked about going live at the juke joint. Um, anyway. Um, David. Yes, David. When we get to a point where we've got a good night going, there's a bunch of drummers there or there's a bunch of players in the house that Jared and I can play with or Jared and I and Phil can play with, uh, we will go live from the juke joint. It'll be sometime after 11 p.m. Central Standard on a Sunday. So it'll probably just happen randomly, and you'll see that we're live on a Sunday night. You'll know that that is us at the juke joint. So when we get a good one coming, I'll uh, I'll go live, and we'll, uh, we'll let y'all hang out with us on the wacky antics that usually happen on a Sunday night. Oh, yeah. So, Jared, anything before we wrap up and get out of here? Um, not really. Just don't put stuff on your snare drum. That's right. And yeah. don't wear superhero costumes. No costumes. So, for myself personally, thank you for hanging out with us as usual. And, Jared, take us out for the evening. As always, we will see you on, on the, the next, next one. one.